the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, November 16th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, all-around barbecue-related gear. Whether you're spicing up the grill or the neighborhood, making barbecue great again. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, anything you could possibly make. At a melted Kydex. They can hook you up. Use the code STEAK for 5% off your order. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. Whether you're uh, personalizing which game console you're using, in-studio recording, and coming home, or podcasting, Odyssey's got everything you need to make that listening experience a little bit more better. Find them at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram. Mike at West Coast Survival Arms. Helping you get strapped for when uh, verdicts are read in court. Ooh. Whether you need ammo, a new cleaning kit, storage case. Did you say ammo? <laughs> I said ammo. <laughs> Definitely going to need some heading into the winter of love. Uh, Mike's at uh, 619-870-6992. He's at West Coast Survival Arms, and he's on Facebook Messenger. I wouldn't consider any of the uh, medics, first responders, EMTs, firefighters, police officers who listen to this show, Mediocre Medics. However, they love to shop at MediocreMedic.com. Whether they're off-duty and utilizing some of those uh, flip-flops, fanny packs, sweatshirts, and more, or on-duty, sporting a vinyl sticker or patch, if they're not loving the Mediocre Medic Instagram, they're shopping there at MediocreMedic.com and wasting money. I was about to say if they haven't. If they're not loving it, they haven't seen it. There you go. Speaking of wasting money, Dump Box, home Ooh. of the Zero Fucks Duck. Go find Mark on Facebook. Go find him on Instagram at DumpBox.us. Get in that next drop for the Zero Fucks Duck. Get some nice stickers for your coffee cup, patches for the lining of your vehicle, etc. Friends, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, our website, Telegram, and more. And on that note, welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 82. I'm Roan, joined as always by Noah. What's up? Antoinette's here today. 
Hello. We've had a reschedule with Jorge Ventura. Damn it. However, I think we've upgraded in guest caliber today. Welcoming into the show today. I believe this is uh, appearance number three as he's uh, guest hosting with us for the first half. Mr. Mike Crispy, host of the Red, White, and Truth podcast and show on Right Side Broadcasting Network. Welcome back with us today. Fellas, listen, no offense to Jorge Ventura. You know, I don't know him. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but does he have the Mike Crispy sizzle with the steak for breakfast podcast flow? I don't think so. So happy to be back, and uh, it's an honor. Hopefully you didn't hear that. It is very sizzly. (laughs) It's quite sizzly. Now, I know Jorge was just on Fox News, and I was able to confirm via text message that he was underwear on the bottoms, suit on the top. Oh, my gosh. Mike's wearing a T-shirt. I don't know if he's in his underwear. No, no, I'm, I'm actually it's super cold here in, uh, in New Jersey today. So I am uh, fully clothed, you know, full disclaimer. Okay. Uh, and I hope the people uh, appreciate, you know, that uh, that preparedness that I'm making to come on today, being fully clothed <laughs> before I work. Well, at the end of the day, if you're anything, sir, I mean, it is gray sweatpants season. You are a professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have a pretty busy news weekend uh, where it usually isn't the case, but we were riding the wave of the uh, signing that happened yesterday of the build back crappier agenda. Oh, yep. Infrastructure bill. Ugh. Yeah, it was pretty awful. And, and so is everything that's going on with that. Did However, all the, did all the human infrastructure make it in there? Of course it did. <laughs> so, yeah, I. I Joe Biden tweeted yesterday about the historic bipartisan signing and by bipartisan, meaning everybody that is Republican in name only, however, Mm. voted for impeachment twice and then votes everything with Nancy Pelosi. So it's one of those things. Tripartisan. Yeah, that's how they do bipartisan down there in uh, D.C. right now. But I I quoted the tweet and said, you know, he, he named all of the things, better jobs, more money. And I was like, you know, what you actually mean is solar panels, wind turbines, and pronouns. Because there's just as much money going to those things in that bill as there are for doing anything in regards to helping the American people, especially the working class. Better jobs if you're allowed to have them. Yeah. Uh, But before we get into this, let's check in with Mike. Mike, how's the show been? Uh, What's new with you and what do you got going on? Well, uh, I mean, I appreciate the uh, plug as always. It's great to be back on. I mean, the show's going exceptionally well i mean we continue to battle internet censorship but mm. i mean like always i'm so appreciative of all the people who have come over to rumble i'm a big proponent of rumble uh you know everybody who's out there you know who's listening to this show you know should go to rumble and should start following the programs that are on there because it really is one of our last hopes for uh free information in addition to that a uh, big announcement for the show and this is starting tomorrow, we are going to be live streaming oh, wow. our episode recording on Wednesday afternoons on Getter. So exclusively on Getter, we're going to live stream our recordings as they're happening. Most people who listen to RWT know that we record on Wednesdays. The show airs on RSBN on Thursdays. Um, we've worked it out where on Getter exclusively, we are going to live stream from our studio to the Getter feeds uh, our episode recordings in the studio you know, we'll put the commercial breaks on when we're not doing a segment, but it's going to be really exciting. And hopefully we get some people doing it and it picks up and we get some interaction and, and we can make it even more fun. So I know some people who work at Getter, uh, personally, some friends of mine, I love the platform. They had a television commercial on Tucker Carlson that mm-hmm. I saw the other night, Getter. So, you know, just so happy uh, and privileged to be a part of it and be one of the first people live streaming on there. 
uh, and we have our studio hardwired and we're ready to go. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's, re- that's really awesome. It's, it's good to hear that you guys are making those changes. And then again, anytime you can interact with your offering audience lively, I'm sure it does nothing but improve the overall experience. Uh, I do have to say, you know, for those that are listening and like, like Mike mentioned, I'm going to touch on both of those social media platforms. Rumble, if you're getting your shows that are available on Rumble and then everywhere else, it doesn't help anything except make the people who are doing the shows for you overall experience better. And that's anywhere from people who monetize all the way down to people who are just trying to get the word out there by utilizing platforms like Rumble because of the censorship that they incur from everywhere else. Uh, that's number one. And then number two, like he said, with the uh, the Getter platform, I know it's hard to break away from some of those legacies. Everybody wants to be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter just because that's technically where everybody who hasn't been banned for life is still. Uh, but at the same time, I'll have to say from personal experience, Getter pretty much, I would say it's a pretty easy uh, using platform. It, it's probably as comparable to anything else, and, and I don't really have any issues with it. I, I think it's a good platform and one that's growing every day. I still haven't gotten on there. I need to. Yeah, let's make an account. We throw our uh, shows on there every week, so you know, good fellas. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I remember Getter. Getter only started in July. I mean, I remember when they were calling up, you know, RSBN looking to, you know, uh, start advertising and doing that. Literally, Getter was a new thing in July, and uh, just look to now, less than you know, a year later, a couple months later, and I mean, you look at the site; it's almost as good as Twitter. I mean, it blows parlor away. Yeah. So I have no association with getter. I'm not paid by them, but I'm just such a big believer in platforms like rumble and getter that will allow people like us to get the word out. And anybody who's on YouTube or, you know, Twitter, like it takes 10 minutes to make a profile on this alternate account, because the minute that people like us get bigger on those platforms, we don't need Twitter and YouTube anymore. And that's the goal. I mean, fuck them. We don't want to use YouTube. I would love the day where I could just be done with YouTube. But until people adopt Rumble, uh, that won't happen. But I think it will happen in the couple next couple of years. Yeah. And I mean, you've had people like, you know, uh, everyone that's on the Clay Clark tour, like General Flynn, he utilizes Rumble. I know Mike Lindell utilizes Rumble and obviously Donald Trump uh, for the speeches and stuff like that. They utilize Rumble a lot, too. So, you know, it's one of those things where some of the larger names in the movement have have kind of migrated over there, probably because most of them are banned. But at the same time, (laughs) yeah. It shows you when, when someone with a name like that will attach themselves to a platform, like said, you know, it's one of those things where uh, the experience has to be comparable to some of the ones that have been out there for a while. And I'll have to say that it pretty much is. Well, as soon as those platforms take off more, I'm sure they'll try to, you know, tie, you know, torpedo them as, as much as possible like they have been with everything else. Yeah, that's why a lot of them are getting independent servers and uh, stuff like that so they can not have to worry about getting shut down like, you know, Parler was at one point and stuff like that. Absolutely. Honestly, the the best example of that is, I mean, look at like Infowars. They're like the cancel proof roadmap. I mean, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, how is Infowars still online? I mean, everybody wants them gone. They're the most banned, you know, platform ever, but they exist. You can go find them. That's because I I think Alex Jones spent millions of dollars investing all his own stuff uh, and has sophisticated operation. That's why they can't get shut down. Yeah. And I've heard like, you know, Getter, Rumble, you know, they're, they're, you know, the biggest thing is the web server and making sure that that's short up. Otherwise they could end up like parlor yep. that was taken down in one foul swoop because I guess it was Amazon web services who hosted them, yeah. uh, you know, just wanted to pull the plug. So I, I'm excited about it. I think these platforms are good. Uh, I know rumble opened up a new headquarters in the United States or Canadian company. I don't know if everybody knew that, Yeah. but uh, one good thing out of Canada, 
So they now have a USA headquarters that's going to be in Sarasota, Florida. Oh, good. In uh, the free state of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, so that's a brand new thing I read. And uh, that's a great sign. They're expanding and doubling down. And and uh, they talk a lot with the RSBN folks. And, you know, it's going good. So get her and rumble to the moon, as they say. Nice. Awesome. I like it. All right. Well, let's kind of jump into the news. We're going to get into the uh, infrastructure stuff that happened, you know, throughout the weekend and leading up towards yesterday, which was Monday. Uh, but, but before that, you know, starting today, uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary, former criminally in charge director of CIS, Alejandro Mayorkas, is back up on Capitol Hill um, getting grilled by uh, a senatorial panel. Good. Yeah, that's going on right now. No softballs. No, Tuesday afternoon there. And uh, he came in with uh, some opening statements today um, talking about some of the issues that we've been having down at the border. Um, no, you're going to like a couple of these, the, these, these quotes here. Um, I think the first one, which we can all agree on, was when he was talking about the, the fundamental problem with DHS. The immigration system, though, is fundamentally broken, a fact that everyone agrees upon. Huh? Congress must pass legislation to fix it. Buck passed. In the meantime, we are taking action within our authorities. Man. We are enforcing our immigration laws, including those of accountability and humanitarian relief. Is, is there any people in the cabinet who, who you know, anyone from Randy Levine all the way up through Mayor <laughs> Pete, that just doesn't sound like someone where you want to immediately grab <laughs> them, give them a wedgie, take their lunch money, and shove them in a locker? I mean, Fauci, they're all blinking. They all weigh like 90 pounds. They all have like translucent skin, except, except Randy they're Levine. She, she looks like kind of Russian bear. <laughs> but uh, Randy. Strong like uh, bull. Randy Levine. <laughs> our first female four-star admiral. No English. <laughs> yeah. So talking about how the system is fundamentally broken is basically a passing of the buck on to the Senate who has not been able to pass comprehensive uh, immigration legislation. However, when an administration or regime like this is in control, trying to pass that buck means one thing. Unlike with the Trump presidency and during his administration where it was secure borders, when Alejandro Mayorkas talks about it, it means amnesty for everybody. That's how you solve the problem. We won't have illegal immigration if everybody that comes in is allowed citizenship and the right to vote and $450,000. And we can scare them into voting the way we want them to vote. Problem solved, right? So, uh, you know... Getting into that right now, we do have a big issue. We know we had uh, Esther Valdez on here not too long ago, and she talked about how 90-plus percent of everyone that's given a notice to appear when they are illegally found crossing the U.S. border, and what that means is you're going to get a court date, you're going to plead your case, and an immigration judge at some point is going to make a decision on whether or not you could stay or go in the United States. 91-plus percent of those people... So just think about, let's just look at this fiscal year. We've had about 2 million illegal border crossings. 90 plus percent don't show up for court. You don't say. Yeah, shocker. Sounds something like is, you know, it sounds like a flaw in the system. Sounds like it's something perfectly, you know, almost purposely done, right? Yeah. Well, one of these are people that they're committing a crime basically on the way in and then they get caught and then it's like, I'm in Walmart. And I steal this jacket, and I'm on my way out the door, and security guy's like, hey, what the fuck, man? You stole that jacket? And I'm like, no, no. I was going to pay for it. I was just uh, going to my car to get uh, my credit card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, right? unlike, that, unlike that conversation, yeah, the overall issues that we're having with people who are scheduled for court dates, 
It's a misunderstanding. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, so it's not their fault. It's a misunderstanding. Just is, listen. What, is male racist now? Alternatives to detention for those who are not in immigration detention. Uh, we uh, have imposed conditions of parole with alternatives to detention, and those conditions better assure their appearance in court. We are communicating with individuals most effectively because sometimes it is not an intent to abscond, but a misunderstanding oh, yeah. of the requirements in a very labyrinthian immigration system. There, there's another him trying to push it back on the Senate. That Now, remember, this was the guy for nearly a decade that ran CIS, which is the facet of Department of Homeland Security that runs immigration services. And he's most famously known there for letting everyone in, Yep. Uh, pay-for-play visas, ask the Saudi princes, and <laughs> Governor Murphy, who got visas for all of his soccer team and stuff like that, the governor of New Jersey, and, and, and another scandal he had with uh, Hillary Clinton's brother. So those are things that he's famous for while he was the director of immigration services. I can't think of anyone possibly better to go and head the entire agency of DHS besides this guy. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of, you know, his opening statement kind of led into that stuff. Um, and no, you're really going to like this one. Remember, mm. we're nearly at 2 million. This might even get Mike dropping F-bombs a little early in the show. <laughs> so when we look at the borders now, we can all agree, the four of us, I think, that it is completely out of control and an unmitigated disaster, correct? Yes. Yes, everybody kind of agrees with that one? Well, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we have more control over our border now than we did under the previous administration. Wait, who said that? I don't believe it. Uh, uh, Senator, I believe in the policies that we are putting forward, and I condemn a number of the policies that were promulgated in the prior administration. So you think we have more control over the border now than we did under Trump? Um, Senator, we're very focused on the uh, That's not the question. You'd be focused. Do you think we have more control over the border now than we did under the last administration? I think we have more control that is consistent with our values as a nation. Hmm. Oh, fucking so yeah. yeah, the values. The values are letting anybody in. Fucking yeah, the values. I, I don't know. Values. Listen, it's 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 so ridiculous. It's like values for who? Like the values for people that aren't citizens in this country. And he used the term labyrinthian. Like I don't even know. First of all, look, it was not even on Google. Okay, he says it's a labyrinthian <laughs> process. What is he talking about? It's like it's it shouldn't be labyrinthian. It should be simple. And this is why he didn't want to talk about the Trump thing because. He would make a fool out of himself if he said anything else. Having a wall, having a strong border, letting the border patrol people do what they need to do. And that is if you're trying to come in and invade this country, you open yourself up to the right to get the fuck beat out of you. I don't understand why that's a controversial thing. Yep. Someone's trying to come into this country. You got cartels. You got the, the child smugglers. You got criminals. You got fighting age males who are trying to come into this country. We don't know who they are. I heard Mayorkas uh, answering questions about the vaccines. Yep. He totally sidestepped that one as well. So COVID's a big problem. He doesn't want to, you know, drill down and find out, you know, are these migrants vaccinated? Then they want to pay them the money because it's easier to pay them settlement money, a billion dollars of settlement money, than it is to have the ball go to court. Why do they even know? Why do they even need to go to court? Why do they even deserve that? Why are we even doing this process? build the wall, stop them from coming in. Every other country in the world can enforce their borders and turn people away and not let people come in and be very strongly about that. Except for the United States, we have to take these people in because as he says, it's the moral 
uh, values or whatever. That's a bunch of bullshit. Sure that is. is the affront that the Democrats use to gain public sympathy for the low information voters. So they come into the country, they get resettled in a swing state near you. They get tons of government money and then they vote the way the Democrats want. It's so disgusting. Oh yeah, my God. Well, that's the value they're talking about. Yeah. The value of yeah, those that's, votes. That's what to they them. want. They immediately start having children too, which is, it makes oh, yeah. them almost undeportable because now you have a U.S. citizen attached to your family unit. What do they call that? An- anchor, uh, anchor, anchor babies. Anchor babies. <laughs> well, it's good. Anchor that, it's good that Mike mentioned walls because we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, dunk fest that went on, you know, following his opening statements where he couldn't even get through without reading it. There was a lot of scoffing. Uh, like I said, Lindsey Graham interrupted him in, in the last clip we heard. Marsha Blackburn wanted to talk about the southern border and the wall. Let's hear what she had to say. Yeah, I heard that. Up. That was good, Marsha. Can you explain to me why a wall is effective and necessary at the White House and the Biden Beach House, but is not necessary at the southern border? There are there are thousands of miles <laughs> along the southern border, and I agree the Biden uh, with what then Senator McCain uh, presented, Ugh. which was there are different solutions for the border because of its tremendous expanse, the great diversity in the terrain that it must cover. Diversity in the and terrain. therefore the key, the key to border security is fundamentally advanced technology. I think he that is that, the oh, most effective means wrong. because we're not going to construct a border wall on the ragged and jagged cliffs in certain parts of the border. Now, no, I know you heard, you talked about, you know, uh, geographical terrain diversity. (laughs) Now that's piggybacking off of an actual statement that Kamal Harris made last week when she visited NASA. Oh, I remember the NASA thing. Right. And she is a vapid idiot. You know, and that piggybacks directly off of a statement that Kamal Harris made last week when she visited NASA and asked one of the directors there, if from space, the, uh, the satellites, if they can identify the actual races of trees. (laughs) What? I wish there was more to it, but that's that's literally and the awkward silence, the exhaling, and the what with a question mark that Antoinette just dropped. The racism of trees or the races of the races tree of trees. equity. <laughs> yeah. So can can you tell the different races of trees from space with satellites? Mm, that's wait from, tree. from space too. Mm. <laughs> I, the the, the oh Democrat they the tree equity thing is. Do you guys read into that in the bill? I mean, it's like they want to put hundreds of millions of dollars towards studying what neighborhoods have trees and what neighborhoods don't have trees, break it down by race, and then have an equal amount of trees in neighborhoods that correspond to the racial demographics in order to create tree equity because it will combat climate change. That is considered infrastructure to these sickos. Um, And that's just one example of a bunch of insane Green New Deal bullshit that's in that bill. Yeah. See, I'll I'll tell you why in some neighborhoods there's not as many trees. <laughs> because the guys on the corner selling drugs probably aren't going to water them. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. Um, not concrete. I'm yeah. not saying that's any specific type of neighborhood other than a bad neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. That's racist. And no, you- I'm just saying like a, a shitty part of town is a shitty part of town and people don't take care of shit in their shitty that- parts of town. Nobody has a nice, like, manicured lawn or garden in the fucking hood. Very rarely. And if they do, you know, it's like a very old, like, couple that's been there for, like, 60, 70 years. Yeah, it's like some (laughs) Vietnam veteran that they know not to fuck with. 
Exactly. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to do tree equity in the Bronx. You know, mm-hmm. these these 100%. people are going to they're going to come in like, come on. Well, people are going to be selling a lot of used trees. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know who else has been accused of racism over the last six months? Well, a lot of people have everyone. Been. The Border Patrol. Oh, God. Senator Mike Lee was next to jump in and uh, probably really, really high nut hugger shorts. <laughs> tight fitting jersey and headband have they brought up the whipping again yet he did and he oh. wanted well they, they haven't had him on to address this oh so this is first time to address the whipping that right because happen. after his first hearings that ha- literally happened the next weekend and then he's been hiding since oh, and he's been waiting just like, as oh soon my as God, the whipping. as soon as something bad happens it, it seems like this was regime every time it's time for them to answer questions about it they you know conveniently get covid <laughs> so oh Mike Lee jumped in and confronted him about it, and not only how this narrative has been able to stay alive for so long, but also why hasn't he addressed it now that it's been completely debunked from top to bottom? What about the issue with your Border Patrol agents recently being accused by some folks in the media of whipping illegal immigrants when in fact they were not? Uh, why on earth did you not defend them? I mean, has no one in your entire department uh, uh, ever become aware of, of how one uses split reins when riding a horse? Oh, Senator, let me, let me say two things. Number one, I put 100 uh, percent into my work, and I'm incredibly proud to do so. That's mm. number one. Number two, I stand your with work of letting the women of our department through and through, and I will not prejudge facts before did you defend them when they were being attacked for whipping people which they were not um senator what i said quite clearly is that the independent investigation so will the answer determine no. the facts yeah, and it. those facts will drive the outcome how about okay, after they less got and nothing more that they your weren't. response and your failure to defend them then and now is nothing short of morale crushing if you want to maintain or obtain operational control of the border, which you do not now have. This is not a way to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, so even after they got proven that they weren't whipping migrants, just nothing out just of Just come out, you know, just hide, you know. Get maybe. COVID. So you don't have he, to answer the questions. He got COVID too? He did. Oh. Yeah, right after that whole scandal broke, and the only thing that came out of, you know, that faucet of the regime was that he was opening an independent investigation. And while I was watching it live this morning, it was playing out in my head that his voice was going to, you know, his response was literally going to be, we relied on the information obtained from opening an CNN. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't answer as bad as uh, Merrick Garland, who says, you know, he, he sees and hears about things from, from reading the paper and, and watching television. That's how he's, he's dictating policy at the DOJ. We didn't, we didn't get that bad. Um, but you know who did get pretty bad was uh, the Zodiac came in. <laughs> yeah. I love these dunk fests. They're amazing. Uh, They're pretty our good. favorite Zodiac killer. Right? I've, I've got back-to-backers from, from Ted Cruz, and he was pretty fired up today, so let's kind of hear how he got in. First one's going to be on, you know. I just hate that these people can, like, why Why are they allowed to just not answer the question? Like, just, uh, but I, I'm actually not aware of what you're, you're uh, speaking about. And they always uh, want like, to, yes, you yeah. fucking are. And they always asshole. want to refer to the next asshole who, yeah. who conveniently just testified a week before. So it's going to be hard as hell to bring. Them. It's like you have to have a, a rotating, like a carousel of these assholes. There should be through. just like somebody with like 
on the phone, just like, oh, I actually have him on the phone right now. Yeah, We're going to patch him in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, isn't it so obvious? Like, oh, an investigation. Oh, it's, it's like, dude, it's a photo. You can make one fucking call to the Border Patrol people. Oh, this photo. Oh, yeah, those are horse reins. You know, okay. Wait, what investigation for what? Like, it's uh, like you ride the horse with the reins. That's like saying we're doing an investigation because the grass is green. Right. It's like obvious there's a picture, but we're going to spend taxpayer money, punish these Border Patrol people, drag them through the mud, take them off the border to answer questions from bureaucrats who are investigating them. It's fucking bullshit. And that answer is the ultimate cop out. And obviously, the Border Patrol people, you know, crushes the morale, but also him saying investigation. I don't know why the Republican senators and I'm sure we're going to hear from Zodiac Killer here say something like this. But why don't they say no? What do you mean an investigation for what? Like it is the most obvious thing. It is investigating the grass being green. Horse reins, okay? Illegal invaders. Come on. Yeah. What what I want to know is, uh, are they training them now to ride the uh, horse without the rein? Well, they get the stick horses now, the little kid ones. (laughs) Yeah. The the, well, they actually moved the the coconuts. The horseback (laughs) patrol is no longer operating in Del Rio. Oh, the horseback oh, wow. patrol that actually patrols those areas where you need a fucking horse because, yeah, exactly. because of ATV and all the other, well, the yep. the racial terrain, the diverse terrain. Yep. So, well, I guess they got what they wanted, you know. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you when you wonder why these fixtures of departments who are in charge of all these people that are doing very difficult jobs, putting themselves at risk because they believe in the job. Yep. The reason why these people aren't supporting their men and women that work underneath them is because they've been placed there to not do the job, to not do the job, to, to literally do, do the, the opposite of yeah. the shitty regime that we got. Good segue. Noah, you didn't know it, but that clip is basically coming up now saying how the immigration system was maybe on a road to recovery with the last administration. But since this regime has come in, basements, Brandon and Mayorkas have done a lot to help destroy it. Oh, good. Secretary Mayorkas, you testified several times that our immigration system is, quote, fundamentally broken. Hmm. True or false, under President Trump, we saw the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Um, I don't know if it's uh, within 45 years, but we certainly saw in 2020 uh, a low level uh, of illegal immigration. 2019 uh, was very high. True true or false, Secretary Mayorkas, this year under Joe Biden, We've seen the highest rate of illegal immigration in 61 years. Again, I don't know the number of years, but it's certainly a historic high, Senator. (laughs) So you're right, it's broken, but you broke it. Let me ask you, in the calendar year 2021, how many illegal immigrants do you expect to have crossed illegally into the United States? I believe the um, the total number of encounters has been referenced in this hearing earlier is um, uh, approximately just under 1.7 million. But there's two months remaining. Is it correct that you project over 2 million illegal immigrants in 2021, calendar year 2021? I believe that is correct, Senator. And over the last three months, we've seen a drop in the numbers by reason. And and how many children do you project in 2021? I'm sorry? How many children will have crossed illegally in 2021? Um, I believe that thus far through October 31st, uh, Senator, approximately 125,000 unaccompanied children have been transferred uh, to the shelter and care of Health and Human Services. Now Man, you hear about all those children being trafficked right there. It's just a sad number because you know it's probably triple. And he's saying that many that many children. There's no way that they can be accountable for where they're going, and keeping track of who's grabbing these kids. And there are nefarious characters at play. 
that are doing some shady, shady, shady things with these kids. Well, you're, you're talking about those people. Could you, could you be referencing people like murderers, rapists, and child molesters? You mean besides <laughs> the ones we're letting in? Okay, let's hear Ted Cruz kind of wrap it around that one. How many illegal immigrants have you released into the United States who were COVID positive? All of Senator, them. we it is our policy to test uh, individuals. I didn't ask your policy. How many illegal aliens have you released who were COVID positive? Well, let me just say, when they are released, they are placed in immigration. How many have you released that were COVID positive? I will have to get that number. Okay, you don't have that answer either. All right, let's let, let's try this. <laughs> How many illegal aliens have you released who had criminal convictions? All of them. <laughs> um, who have no. criminal convictions in Mexico? In the criminal convictions in whatever jurisdiction. Uh, uh, those individuals, if they pose a public safety threat. How many individuals with criminal convictions have you released? <laughs> Senator, I do not have that. Okay, let's specify it more narrowly. How many murderers have you released? (laughs) I'm not aware of any murderers whom... How many rapists have you released? I'm not aware of any rapists whom... How many child molesters have you released? I am not aware of any child molesters whom we have released into the United States, and I should say that... Senior Customs and Border Patrol leadership have told me that your agency is slow walking and refusing to comply with the order from the federal court to return to the remain in Mexico policy. What would you say to the judge if the judge was asking why you should not be held in contempt and incarcerated for defying a federal court order? Um, It is because uh, we are implementing the court's order in good faith. We are working with Mexico. It requires a bilateral relationship and an agreement. And I should also add have you or anyone on your staff expressed to Mexico to resist going back to this agreement? No. And I should also indicate to you, Senator, that Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, under the sex offenders uh, operation known as SOAR, um, apprehended 495 individuals between June 4th and September 1st who committed sex offenses and were very focused on public safety. Well, they renamed you Operation Talent. Max TV. They just renamed Operation Talon to a different name. Yeah, well, I was just, I was just thinking. What's four? Soar. What's four hundred and something? Whatever's when two what, million people have been let in already. Hey, what does a bird? Yeah. What does a bird with talons do? I, soars. I, I wish Ted Cruz would have kind of went back to what we covered last week when when Ron DeSantis talked about, "Hey, do you boys like Delaware?" Because someone who came in across the southern border in Del Rio in August claimed to be a seventeen-year-old boy. Turns out he was a 30-year-old murderer and killed a father of four in Florida two weeks ago. And it's hard to say you're not aware of a murderer who's a murderer when he's murdering. Especially when they're telling you they're a child. Murdidly murder. <laughs> there you go. So that's kind of what I got on that. You know, there would be more to continue. And if there's anything that's extra juicy, we'll bring it in for our Friday edition. How can you be steak. the person in charge of this department and not be aware of specifics like that like i call complete bullshit like hopefully somebody goes and digs up like emails where he's literally been given the stats like this is how many murders we just let in or i could just have an idea i mean if you don't know the exact number nobody's expecting you to know the exact number in that moment but have an idea of how many and like how you know what's going on but obviously he he tried to bounce it 
Yeah, he tried to bounce it to uh, with the convictions in Mexico because I'm sure Mexico is yeah. giving us all that information. Exactly. It's it like anybody who does their job, like, don't you need to know, like anybody else would get fired. He doesn't know the basic qualifications. Like he's getting asked all these very basic questions about numbers. <laughs> and obviously he's lying and playing dumb because he would at least right. have a ballpark estimate because I don't know. It's maybe the main function of his job is to know these numbers, right? So it's right. like hilarious. And then he goes, oh, yeah, you know, uh, 495 people. Oh, we caught them. But it's like they don't know the history of anybody, just like the person in Florida. And I saw footage. It was on the Mexican side of Twitter, if you believe it, like old Mexican Twitter. Someone sent it to me. And it was the caravan coming up, confronting the Mexican uh, law enforcement, uh, Border Patrol folks on their side of the fence. And they were beating this guy and robbing him, this caravan of people. It was basically footage. Yep. And I could send it to you guys. It was them pummeling this guy who was a Mexican, you know, border patrol or whatever you call him down there. So it's like, what do you think Mexico wants to do? So, of course, Mexico is going to want to slow walk re-implementing the remain in Mexico policy. It creates a lot of problems for them. And Trump, the reason he got it done so fast is because he and he said it very clearly. And it's obvious is how real adults think, not these idealistic buffoons. But he had the tariffs as a condition uh, over their Mexicans head if they did not put the troops on the border and right. do their part. It's simple. It's leverage one against the other. So Mallorca is saying, oh, you know, we're doing it and we're working with Mexico because it requires bilateral. No, you think Mexico is going to comply because Mexico is looking at USA saying, yeah, of course they could take them. You know, they want to destroy their own country and make it Democrat forever. Sure. Let's help the Mexico, obviously. And, you know, let's let's slow walk this too. Get rid of all these trash. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's just like for obvious reasons, like just children, uh, they just sound like children when they talk like this, but they're not children. They're just super shady and they have America's worst interests and they want these people in the country and they want them resettled and they don't care about a family in Florida getting murdered. They look at that as a, you know, as a, uh, a martyr for the cause. You know, these people are absolute sickos. Mayorkas is an absolute dishonest, lying. They're all beta males and, you know, very strange uh, mm. women. That's who's running our country right now. It's absurd. Well, they're actually hoping that the people that get murdered actually have COVID, too. So it's a twofer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably listed as a COVID death anyway. Yeah. Mayorkas will be like, well, Thanks. I'm actually not aware of any functions of this job that I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> is that the nice way to that's, say it? That's the way you dodge the question, right? I, I'm not aware of the specific functions of my job. I don't have the numbers. <laughs> I don't have the numbers of how many things I'm supposed to be doing. Or things that I've led into the country. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. All right, let's jump over to the uh, infrastructure bill now. You know, passed yesterday, si- well, signed yesterday, so now goes to the vetting process. I believe it's between 60 and 90 days before it's made official. <laughs> Hold on to your wallets. <laughs> it's about to get crappier. Um, as we continue on with the Build Back crappier narrative, uh, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Poll numbers mean nothing. Wait, do these people coming in, like, when they go to get jobs, do they have to be vaccinated at least? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, silly. They give them ivermectin at the border. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's right. Someone should have brought that up as well. Well, they were in close proximity to the Border Patrol horses. Mm. True. Stop it. <laughs> okay, so this bill has gone on to the, to the final vetting and approving process now that it's been signed. Um, it was... Really awkward going through the weekend watching all of these morons try to get their points across and, and justify 
passing this as this will be the crowning achievement of this administration. I really do feel like, you know, presidents in their first year technically have a peak. I guess I guess Joe Biden's peak is going to come at 37 percent approval rating per the USA Today. Um, But it's one of those things now where 37 there's nowhere to go but down uh, because this not only hurts everything that's already going on with the country right now, uh, but it also puts a huge, uh, you know, let's call it a tax on the American middle class's wallets. Oh, people don't understand. Like this all happened and you can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle. No. Or the ivermectin back in the tube. It comes in a tube. Well, the horse one does. (laughs) Wow. Uh, and it's like, all right, well, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, maybe we were wrong, but it's like, you're wrong. Yes, you're wrong. But this is unfixable. This is going to be generations of issues that are going to be stemming from this. Yep. Yeah. And it seems like now, regardless of what the narrative is, how bad all these agencies are not doing their jobs or poll numbers reflect, they're just going to keep their foot on the gas, knowing that in 2022, they're not going to be here. Well, that's number one, but but number two well, depends, depends yeah. on the the machines. There you go. Um, Jen Saki on Friday talked about how you know she, she was being pressed in in her press conference about the gas prices and and you know basically confirms how the administration is, is screwing over the American people. Oh, good. So that's why I said that, not an accurate one. Look, our view is that the rise in gas prices over the long term makes an even stronger case for doubling down our investment and our focus on clean energy options so that we are not relying on uh, the fluctuations and OPEC and their willingness to put more supply and meet the demands in the market. The fact of the matter is they want American taxpayers, especially in the middle class, out of their big trucks. Um, out of owning more than one car and they want them in these whatever smart cars and, and hybrids that are going to, you know, have all of their stuff mined in China, which we're bowing the knee down to. Um, Kamala Harris over the weekend, she, she was asked about some of the issues that are going on with, uh, you know, all this stuff related to the economy. And, and, and of course she didn't have any, you know, cognate answer for anybody. Of course not. Um, she does know one thing, though. The prices have gone up. It's pretty embarrassing to hear the vice president of the United States talk like this. Did she cackle? Well, let's start with this. Uh, prices have gone up. I thought she was going to say I'm kind of retarded. And <laughs> wait for the families end of the and individuals are dealing with the realities of of. That bread costs more, that gas costs more. (laughs) And we have to understand what that means. That's about the cost of living. You go broke? That's about having to stress and stretch limited resources. That's about a source of stress for families that is not only economic, but is on a daily level something that is a heavy weight to carry. So it is something that we take very seriously. Very seriously. And we know from the history of this issue in the United States that when you see these prices go up, it has a direct impact on the quality of life. Yeah, you pay more. No shit. So it's a big. So the caption on that saved audio was, is when you haven't been paying attention in class and the teacher calls on you to ask what they were reading. (laughs) I was going to say she literally, she sounds like somebody running for like student council president, you know, it's like, it's like she's nervous in front of her classmates, like trying to make sense. It's absurd. She sound that's the vice president of the United States talking like a child. It's ridiculous. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a massive rift going on between uh, you know, the resident office and the vice resident office right now. Everyone from Jill Biden and Nancy Pelosi trying to figure out how to distance themselves from her. And then reports coming out of the office of the vice president, the saying that, you know, her staffers and her have created such a toxic environment. No one even talks to them anymore. And they basically sent her off to Europe to do this tour uh, stop in France last week, completely unprepared. And uh, I on purpose, though, I mean, why are they reporting on it? There's a, I think there's a reason there. I'm, there might they might be planning something. You never know. Trump did say 20, the 25th is going to come and bite Biden in the ass. Yeah. And, and Nancy Pelosi did at the end of Trump. So it went at the end of Trump's term. She they did something with the 25th Amendment. Right. And they yep. did it. They did that legislation before Joe Biden came in and everyone said, oh, they're going to try to impeach Trump. And I actually said, no, 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 no. This what you're seeing here is the groundwork for the next administration. They had to do it during Trump's term uh, because it provided them the cloud cover, them passing 25th Amendment legislation. uh, I forget what it was specifically, but that was a setup for Biden. And clearly it's being leaked out. But I don't know. Kamala is just is just embarrassing herself. I mean, or in France, you know, she's doing a fake French accent. And like she's literally just like a caricature (laughs) cartoon at this point. Just so it's just like just so unqualified. It's laughable. I find her funny at this point. And you're right. I mean, that leak had to have been uh, intentional. I mean, those things coming out are definitely intentional, especially if the news is writing about it. You know that they are talking to the CNN people and they're gaming what's going to go out when. And so you wonder why, because it definitely is. Yeah. So obviously we know the media, you know, reports for them and is biased towards them. So why are they? But it's becoming increasingly, increasingly harder for the, for the legacy media to cover up for these people. And they've had to actually admit it lately. So they've had to shit on them just a little bit for ratings too. A little bit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, I think it does pay, but it's like, are they paving the way for Kamala? Maybe like, you know, are they throwing Biden under the bus because he got that, uh, you know, the, the the he fooled all the white moderates to vote for him. And now his mission is complete and they can start throwing him under the bus and elevating Kamala. Maybe that was their plan. But now Kamala is such a buffoon. Literally, yeah. I mean, she talks at the third grade level. I and mean, yeah. it, it's insane. So maybe she's blundering so badly that they don't know what to do. And, you know, maybe they'll run somebody else. Maybe she was the plan. And now they're they're backpedaling on it. But maybe I think they're putting Biden under the bus on purpose at this point. Because he served his purpose, his family's on the take, getting all this money. You know, as Trump says, sucking it up like a vacuum cleaner. Yep. And I think that was the deal between yep. Biden and the DNC, and he was a stopgap, you know, to prevent Trump from getting reelected. And now they'll toss him to the wolves, and he doesn't care. He's got dementia. He doesn't even know what's going on. I was going to yeah. say, he, what if the final nail in the coffin for for Biden when they just let him just get steamrolled is they're just going to not tell him he shit his pants and just like let him walk up the <laughs> stairs somewhere with just like. Total poopy pants. Mm. Oh my god! I wouldn't hate it, and I wouldn't put it too far outside the realms of possibility. I'm all, all I'm they got to do to be have him be done is not shoot that B twelve shot or whatever drugs he's taking. Is you go one day where they don't shoot that in his ass before he has to give a speech, and it's over for the geezer. You know that's really all that needs to happen. Because I know, and I know people who know people who are in and around the White House, Secret Service, etc., and they say that Joe Biden. He's he's looking lethargic out of it. He's weird. He's getting helped around. And then he goes upstairs with his trainer. That's what they say. He's like trainer, his workout trainer. And he comes back down like more pepped. 
you know, and his eyes look different. So I'm telling you, that's a getting injected. Of course, he's getting that's, some sort of medication. Yeah. So popping like, Adderalls or God knows what <laughs> he's going upstairs to the residence with his trainer, quote unquote, getting something stuck in him so he can do the basic functions of his job. That's absurd. And the basic functions is him playing the role of president and saying things and doing things and being at the signing ceremonies and, you know, that shit you saw yesterday. That's all they want him to do. So you think this guy is making policy and staying up at night and doing all the things that the presidents do? Obviously not. It's so scary and so obvious. And then we got Kamala right behind it. And then Nancy Pelosi right behind that. It's like, what the fuck have we done to this country? Yep. Crazy. Yeah, well, he he did speak a couple times over the weekend. We're going to hear one of them now, you know, leading up to the signing of the bill yesterday. New disruptions to our supplies. At the same time, we're also experiencing higher demand for goods because wages are up as well as as well as people have money in the bank. And because of the strength of our economic recovery, American families have been able to buy more products. And but guess what? They're not going out to dinner and lunch and going to lo- local bars because of COVID. So what are they doing? They're staying home. They're ordering online and they're buying product. Well, with more people with money buying product and less product to buy, what happens? The supply chain's the reason. And the answer is you guys. I'll get to that in a minute. But what happens? Prices go up. So we got nearly a 20% more goods coming into the country than we did before the pandemic struck. In 19 days, excuse me, COVID-19 has changed the way we spend our time and our money. More products are being delivered than ever before. That's because people have a little more breathing room than they did last year. And that's a good thing. But it also means we got higher demand for goods at the same time we're facing disruptions in the supplies to make those goods. Yeah, I mean, he basically just answered the same way Kamal Harris did. Yeah. <laughs> they they just use COVID as an excuse. It's like everything is like the COVID. Oh, but we're in a better position because of COVID. That's like what Buttigieg said. It's like only people who live in this warped alternate reality think that COVID has been a factor for anything yep. in the last nine months. I mean, Florida, everybody, everybody in normal states. I always say the human genome isn't different in New Jersey as it is in Florida. <laughs> Same type of human beings. People aren't dropping dead in body bags in Florida. So it'd be fine in New Jersey. But like the people at the top are conditioning people to continue to blame COVID yeah. for a problem that has nothing to do with COVID. But they just use it as the excuse. And that's their buffer as they usher in, you know, the socialism uh, that they seek to impose. And that's why COVID won't go away because they need that. It's their ace in the hole for everything. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, this isn't really a legitimate excuse anymore. Yeah, but COVID. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. I just told you that that's look at Flor at Florida's everybody's fine. No, yeah, but COVID though. Like and they're, and they're did they're, I say COVID? They're killing their, their Do you friends. need me to get Kamala in here to cackle at you? On Wall Street, they're killing their friends because you have like student loan debt that keeps being ballooned because of COVID. You have renters who are getting you know, that aren't paying because of COVID and, and ballooning their payments that which they'll never pay. You yeah. Know, right. You have all these things that are, you know, businesses that open and close and open and close, depending on what state you get in and creating all of this debt. But every time it seems like, all right, we're going to end the restrictions. We're going to end lockdowns. We're going to ease all this other bullshit because, you know, we're getting a handle on it. Then they said like, Oh my God, here's a disaster in Afghanistan. Or, Oh my God, here's the disaster with the gas prices. Let's just make it COVID again. And then we could just throw it down the road another six months. I mean, literally the biggest example of this ever was the Afghanistan debacle. Yep. People are still left there. And what did he do? What did Biden do? 
two days later after all that shit was hitting the fan and everyone was saying, what the fuck is going on? He came out with the OSHA mandate yeah. out of nowhere. Big emergency OSHA mandate that's going to take you know months and months fighting in the courts to either impose or not happen. They want to do the airline mandates that'll come in in January. DeSantis was saying, if it's such an emergency, why are we waiting months to impose these things? Yeah. But the timing of that announcement was as the Afghanistan thing was front and center. They wanted to get out of the get it out of the news cycle. So I say they use your freedoms like political footballs. And that is why these people are sick, demented. Just it's disgusting. Anybody who votes for them is just, I always say, just an absolute cheap because these people don't give a damn. They, they are sacrificing your freedoms to make themselves look good. And that's the worst of all. I don't understand how people can't see that. Yeah, you know who does see it is Ted Cruz. And he jumped on Fox News over the weekend to kind of talk about just how bad things really are. I got to tell you, the trillions that are being spent, the trillions in debt that is being racked up, it, it, it is historic and, and, and not in a good way. Uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that television show, that 70s show. It, it, it feels like Joe Biden is Jimmy Carter all over again. And, and we're seeing skyrocketing inflation. We've seen gas lines. We've seen a Middle East crisis. We've seen hostages. We've seen surrender, in this case, in Afghanistan. All of these problems are replicating, and it turns out cause and effect still operates, that when you spend trillions of dollars, you cause inflation. And, and you know what is stunning about that, Maria? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of the administration, they don't care. You played the clip a moment ago of, of Jen Psaki laughing about inflation and saying, well, that's really what we want. Look, they, they want you not to be able to fill up gas in your car. They want your electricity bill to be higher. They want your heating bill to be higher. And, and, and the cruelty... Of course, it doesn't impact them. The, the, the Democratic elites will still fly on their private planes everywhere they go. And, and the working people, they just say, let them eat cake. And, and, and yeah, makes a whole lot of sense there. And they were showing, you know, all the things from like Mike already mentioned, uh, putting trees in low income neighborhoods to I don't know what seven times the price of salt would, uh, you know, be. But that all those things that are in the build back crappier infrastructure bill. So, you know, you do have some bad showings by both Brandon and Harris. And then you have, you know, people in the Republican Party, uh, conservatives going on the talk shows over the weekend, kind of hitting it home on how bad this really is. Um, what do you guys think uh, moving forward in regards to any other kind of monumental legislation? You don't see anything else really getting passed here, do you? Mm, I don't really see anything yet as of now i mean i think they're going to do the uh reconciliation is that what it's called the reconciliation bill that comes after the infrastructure bill yeah uh which aoc and people are saying oh those are linked together you need to do one to get the other now people like nicole maliotakis will go on fox and say oh no 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 you know i voted against the squad this i voted for this bill the squad voted against it i'm on the right side of history Wrong. meanwhile everybody knows that it's the democrats pulling a fast one on the Republicans because Joe Biden gets a big legislative victory at the end of the day, yep. right? A huge one, as you guys say, his biggest one. They implement so much Green New Deal stuff. And then it's like having your cake and eating it too. AOC, Elon Omar, these people get to go back to their districts and say, oh, I voted against it. So they get to do both ways. They get to say, oh, I'm standing up for the progressive values, but I'm still at the end of the day, things are getting done in Washington with Democrat rule. So people like Nicole Maliotakis and the other rhinos that Trump called out in his statement, 
it's like they're the ones getting fooled. They're the ones getting gamed, but they're voting for these things for dubious interests that have nothing to do with the people or them thinking the infrastructure is good. They can read. They know only 10% of the bill's actual roads and bridges and tunnels, yep. but they vote for it because they want to maintain this guise of, oh, we're bipartisan. Meanwhile, it's nothing to do with bipartisan. It has to do with them making deals with the Democrats yep. and undermining Trump. And I'm telling you, if they would have all stood up against that, it wouldn't have passed. Nope. And guess what would have happened? So 10% of that money, which would have been spent, wouldn't have been spent. The 90% wouldn't have went to Green New Deal. And then Biden would have nothing to stand for, nothing to say he accomplished. It would spiral. They would fight more. And it'd be a disaster. He would have been a president truly who accomplished zero, passed nothing. And then he would have been done in the court of public opinion. But the rhinos voted for it, obviously. They handed him the win. And now that gives him a little breathing room of momentum and allows the media to write favorable headlines. And Trump knows that. And he knows the power of the media. And he knows how they'll spin it. Yep. Now they have something to spin. And those rhinos who voted yes, they would have voted no. It wouldn't happen. They voted yes. They should be held accountable. They should all be taken out and primaried. Trump called for it. I hope they all go. And I hope Trump rallies in each one of those districts of all the Republicans who voted for that bill. They should all go. And you look at the list. It's the usual suspects, the usual suspects every single time. Yep, it, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, that's good that you said that there are people on the Democrat side of the aisle in the Senate who are kind of holding the line as well. Most notably is uh, Kristen Sinema and, and Joe Manchin, uh, the director of the Economic Council from the White House, did the new circuit this weekend. He was on Meet the Press. He was on Stephanopoulos. And uh, this week with ABC, um, Brian Deese and, and talked about how people like Joe Manchin, who are threatening to not participate in the reconciliation bill, and at the very least kicking it into 2022, are kind of annoying to the administration right now. I thought it was pretty good. It's not just Republicans concerned about inflation. Of course, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, you're the key vote on this bill, is also concerned about inflation. Seemed to suggest this week that the bill should be put off until next year because of those concerns. I know you were hoping for a vote this week. Is that still going to happen? What are the consequences of moving it into next year? We're confident that this bill is going to come up in the House this week, that we'll get a vote, it will pass, and it will move on to the Senate. Mm. And those concerns, which we understand and we share, those concerns actually underscore why we need to move out on this bill. You know, we want to improve the productive capacity of our economy, which will actually reduce price pressures. We want to get more people to work, which will actually reduce price pressures. The provisions in this bill have a strong support of independent experts. You look at something like universal preschool. You know, George, economists for decades have been saying there's probably no single investment that could do more to improve the productive capacity of our workforce uh, than investing in universal preschool. No, they This haven't. bill would do that. Child care, we know that 2 million women have had to come out of the workforce uh, as a result of COVID and this pandemic by providing affordable child care, affordable elder care. We're going to help get those people back uh, into the workforce, they which will reduce price pressures while also reducing the practical costs that Americans face. Uh, that's what this bill will do. That's the case we're going to make. And that's the case why delivering right now for the American people uh, is the right thing to do. Ugh, awful. Yeah, thank, thank God for people like Joe Manchin. I hope he comes over to the Republican Party. Yeah, I think so. I think he, he's considering it, but I don't know if it's a good time right now. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's something that's going to be after New Year's and heading towards the midterms as we yeah. kind of see just how desperate. 
because here's the thing: a lot of these people up on Capitol Hill, you see, even some of the more right leaning and it would seem loyal to uh, Trump era policies. There's going to be a point where he's going to start calling them out, too, for not doing enough. Like just having and we talk about it, just having all of these hearings and committees and grilling these people. But then there's no real consequence that goes along with it, except for getting a soundbite that we could play on podcasts like this one mm. uh, is really the only thing that's happening. Because for as much as they've destroyed Fauci, they've destroyed Alejandro Mayorkas and they've, uh, you know, destroyed Merrick Garland up on Capitol Hill. They, they all go home at the end of the day and then the next day go to work and keep doing the fucked up things that they're being accused for the day before up on Capitol Hill. Yeah. So that that's kind of where we're at. I I do want to get to uh you know the brief audio clip I have of uh, Joe Biden from yesterday. Uh, I have two of them. One's really short, and it's the uh, ever worsening cough that he seems to be incurring right. as, as his health seems to be in constant decline. No parent, no parent, <laughs> no parent should have to sit in the parking. Let's get that again. Huh? No parent, no parent. <laughs> Excuse that me, no like parent should have to That's sit weird. in the parking lot in uh-huh. a fast food restaurant uh-huh. again uh-huh. just so their child can use the internet to do their homework. Yeah, he did. He did that actually, was amazing. He did, who who takes their kids to McDonald's to I use hear the Wi Fi, anyways? I want to hear it again. No, we got the rest of the sound. My bite. fellow Americans today, I want you to know we hear you and we see you. <laughs> the bill I'm about to sign along is proof that despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans, can come together and deliver results. We can do this. We can deliver real results for real people. Stop it. There was really nothing else. It was awkward when he went actually sat down to sign it because Kamala Harris was bumped out by everybody and then had to walk around and have one of the Marines who were you know, in their in their dresses, uh, dress blues. Had to K-bar somebody for her? They had to literally escort her in there and then kind of push her to the front. And she's like, okay, can I stand here? Can I stand here? Can I stand here? You got the footage? You have the footage of that? I'll send it to you. I have it. I have it. Send me that. Yeah, That's I, incredible. They And they also announced that other ladies speaking. Think about it. You got the vice president, the most second most powerful person in the world, uh, getting up there, and they announced the lady that was supposed to speak. It's like, and then she's like, in a minute. You see that thing? We're like, <laughs> like it's yeah. like she lost at musical chairs. Yeah, she definitely did, literally and figuratively. (laughs) Mike, we're we're getting ready to wrap with you right now. We're going to be bringing Natalie Denise in here in in a minute. We want to be able to direct everyone to follow you on socials as we uh, thank you for coming and spending some time with us today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. No, it's an honor to be back on. You know, again, I don't know how the other guy would have been, but uh, hopefully, hopefully this was five times better. Uh, But if anybody wants to find our show, Right Side Broadcasting, Red, White, and Truth every Thursday night, 11 o'clock Eastern, uh, coming out on Rumble. We also will put it on our YouTube channel, Red, White, and Truth. Um, and then it's also on the RSBN website, mobile app. They're streaming. And then starting tomorrow, live streaming our recordings on Getter. So if you got a Getter at Red, White, Truth, check it out. It's going to be the first time ever truly live. The show is pretty uncut, but who knows what will happen. So check it out. And it's just great to be back on with you guys as always. Yeah, we'll definitely be bringing you back soon as we always enjoy spending some time with you, but more importantly, getting your opinion on things in a way that you can only do it. He's a hell of a pinch hitter. <laughs> there you go. Mike Christie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> host of the Red, White, and Truth podcast on Right Side Broadcasting Network. Everybody should be listening to them. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Yes, sir. See you soon. Joining us now on the back half of the show. She needs a little introduction, but we're going to give her one anyway. She's the host of Unraveling and Nightly. Miss Natalie Denise, thank you for uh, joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. 
For sure. Thanks for having me. What's up, guys? Not so much. We love having you on, and we're glad to have you back. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, been been traveling. I just got back from the reawakened tour in San Antonio. Yeah, wanted to oh, ask wanted to ask you about that before we jump into the news with you. Why don't you give us a little uh, info on how that weekend went down? Yeah, so it happened in San Antonio. Um, this was kind of a a little bit of a last minute, you know, event for me to attend. But I'm glad that I did. Uh, it was basically General Flynn's, you know, committee of speakers. They speak out on a ver- various topics. You got like big names like Ian Smith Fitness, um, you know, Melissa Tate, a uh, bunch of them, bunch of bunch of big speakers, and um, basically diff- uh, speaking on the different facets of freedom. You know, within I guess their own respect and industry. And uh, on my part, I was in the media room, and uh, some of these speakers would would go back there and you know, converse with, with us podcasters, which was really, really cool. It was a great experience. I was there with uh, we, the people radio sheep, sheep, no more reverse mockingbird, um, Marissa and uh, Marissa Hansen. So it was a great time. It was really fun. Yeah. I saw a small clip of you, Marissa. I was like, Oh, she, look at those beautiful girl, beautiful girls, ladies. Oh, thank you. Mike Lindell, of- was Mike Lindell was in the background, right? I think in that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Actually, I was um, I got asked to do an interview with America's Voice, which was re- additionally just the cherry on top of the whole trip. Right. And uh, we're waiting backstage for my little bit. Uh, ben Berkwin was going to interview me and, uh, and I just like look to my right and I see Mike Lindell come in the doorway. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> struck. It's funny because like we like we get it's not like, you know, like. We get starstruck like for celebrities like in Hollywood, but we do get excited for like people like Mike Lindell. You know, I know. (laughs) I just think it's funny, you know, like the normal everyday normie type of person would be like, oh, my God, there's Brad Pitt or like Mike Lindell. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was it was funny. And um, he was sat down like a chair away from me. And I was like, can we get a selfie? Of course, like, you know, because we have to. Yeah, uh, it was just a really cool moment. So I had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty good. I was getting updates from everyone's Instagram over the weekend, in addition to talking to Reverse and Sheep and James and everybody while they were there. They were kind of texting me updates and sending me videos. looked like a good time. I talked to uh, JT yesterday with the tour and, uh, you know, set up for Clay Clark's going to circle back with us in about a week and a half. We're going to get an update on him. And, you know, he formally invited us to join in – the Arizona tour stop in January, which I think we might. Yeah. Kind of close enough. Um, we, we might get out there and, and, and do our second one. And uh, we, we look forward to that. It should be a good time. Oh, I got to break, break all this stuff down again. Perfect. <laughs> well, they, they got a little bit better set up there, too. I mean, we could do. I mean, it won't be 120 degrees. Hopefully not. I mean, outside it will be, but. There you go. All right, Nat, I want to talk about your shows real quick before we jump into the news. Now, we've brought it up with two different guests. I've talked with you about it offline, um, you know, via text and stuff like that. You have been subject to some major league big-time censorship, probably more than anybody we follow in regards to, you know, someone who's a predominant presence in social media and and in the the show community right now. Um, I have had to listen to you be one of probably the most – creative collaborators out there in regards to being able to get the message out uh, with all the stuff that's going on, but at the same time, protect the integrity of your accounts and your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
spoiler alert, you're going to be able to say whatever you want to say today um, <laughs> in regards to that. But but why don't you just tell us briefly how rough it's been trying to, to navigate those waters? Yeah, I mean, about three weeks ago, I almost lost my, my YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, wow. I was on a strike number two. And as you know, strike three kind of means like you're you're pretty much out, you know, and uh, it, it's really AI. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I know that there are, you know, per- people in the offices of YouTube, but I think that they train their AI to look for certain words. And if yep. there's a grouping of words that it trans- transcribes, yeah. I think it just completely like annihilates you. And I even think that their appeal system is run by AI as well. I but think- um, yeah, it, I I almost got my I almost got my show chopped, and that that was a little bit unnerving. But uh, thankfully, I was able to appeal it, and it, it went through successfully. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as far as difficulty, uh, it's more so creativity, um, a way to get your message out there. Um, Oh, and back backing up the content that they 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 uh, nixed me on or they dinged me on was was older content. Mm-hmm. Of course, it always so is. I, wow. Yeah, so I guess my wording was it the most graceful in their sense. So, um, you know, of course they'll they'll get you for the most generic thing like bullying and harassment if they don't agree with your opinion and if they try and the algorithm to not agree with your opinion, and so. With my more recent content, I've been able to actually stay away from, you know, certain words, certain, you know, subjects, mm-hmm. but still kind of deliver my piece, uh, you know. Yeah, the, um, the message is definitely okay. there. It's just that, you know, sometimes it, it frustrates me to hear what you have to do because your content is excellent. Um, you're always like mm-hmm. on top of it in regards to the news. You're an extremely hard worker in regards to your product and, and just to see or for me here, what you have to go through to kind of get that message out there to people who really need to get the information that you're putting out there. It's, 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 it's sad to, to hear how, what we have to do to kind of get our, our, our points across now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it, it right now, here's the thing too, like the platform that I'm on, right. YouTube. And, and a lot of people say, why don't you just go to rumble? You know, just go, just go to rumble. Well, the thing is, it's not that simple. Like, not. The rumbles, the algorithm is not the same as YouTube. Like they're, they're for whatever reason, I, I post every, everything that I post uh, on YouTube, I back it up on rumble. So I know this, I know this to be a fact that, you know, the algorithms are just not the same. The reach is not the same. And it just is what it is right now. You know, rumble is great. You know, they've definitely optimized their system for mm-hmm. uploads and, you know, getting your message uh, on the platform, but it's the reach that really kind of sucks. So uh, on top of that, um, you know, I, I'm also I'm also uh, contracted uh, by by my ad agent to be on YouTube, you right. know, because I have my reach. So, you know, that's just another factor. But the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it's about getting the message out there and uh, also, you know, the the marketing in your message. So although YouTube is not the easiest platform to be on as, you know, uh, someone with our mindset, this still the the reach is still there and um i think at the end of the day it's better for me to have my channel which has a big following yeah uh, than to get it completely nuked and have nothing right. so you know it, it's and here's the thing too we're, we're in uncharted we're on uncharted waters right we've, we've never had to go through this type of thing in history where we have the internet age as well as you know this sort of revolution 
cultural revolution. So I don't think anybody knows how to really navigate these waters unless you're pioneering them yourself. So, you know, with that being said, it's, um, uh, it is, it is definitely a challenge, but you know, um, at the end of the day, what matters is that the message gets out. Yeah, it sure, it sure is. And you've done a hell of a job doing that. We, we always give a lot of credit to you and your show and the work you're doing. Thank um, you. yeah. And, and we'll, we'll continue to do so because you're a great friend of the show. You were one of our first guests and we always enjoy having you back. We get a lot of good feedback from our, our listening audience and, uh, definitely someone that people always ask when you're going to come back on again. So I don't think they cool. realize how big our, uh, real life schedules are. So we kind of, <laughs> it's not always intentional that we space out the time, uh, you know, that we have in between guests. I think, uh, you know, you definitely made a lot of sense on that YouTube stuff. And then the conversion of rumble, like for instance, Jorge Ventura rescheduled with us today for next Tuesday because he was jumping on Fox News during the time he was scheduled to come on here. So we brought in Mike Crispy, who's the host of Red, White, and Truth on Right Side Broadcasting Network. And, you know, he's one of those people that hypes up Rumble pretty big. But when you mention it, you know, he's got a lot more, uh, you know, internet capital than shows like this do because, first of all, he's an employee of Right Side Broadcasting Network. They have a way bigger reach and can help promote it on platforms like Rumble. And then there's sure. the this is the second time that he's come on the show and said, like, you know, he promotes Getter. I don't I, – I like Getter. I think Getter's new. I think it's pretty innovative. I think it's definitely growing. But he knows some people that work up at the top that kind of – you know, it's it's good that they're able to help promote his show and get his voice out there. But we don't all have that luxury. And the fact of the okay. matter is sometimes we have to fall back on those legacy social medias because that's where you – whether you're actually making it or just talking about, like, you know, your uh, – your show numbers capital, that's where you make your money. So right. it, it's one of those things where you got to kind of stick it out for as long as you can until you eventually get nuked, which you probably all will at some point. Yep. Well, yeah. And, and here's the thing too, like it, it's not all about like the reach. Uh, I'm sorry, not reach in that sense. Uh, it's about a battleground. Mm-hmm. Twitter is a battleground. And sure so is. is YouTube. It's a battleground. So it's like, yeah, we can go to these alternative platforms and it would be great because we won't be censored. But the challenge is that, um, you know, we we also don't want to become a big circle jerk, right? Yep. <laughs> we don't we don't want to just be an echo chamber, chamber for ourselves. What the battleground is to win more souls over to the other side. Yeah. And the way you do that is by going to those places where, you know, you're not necessarily welcome, but, you know, you might you might convert someone with your ideology or opinion. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like all the people that they leave and they go somewhere else, but that's actually what they want. It's just like the mass exodus out of California, because I mean, California's pretty much pretty far lost, mm-hmm. but they want you to leave. They don't want you here anymore. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have, right. friend, I have a friend who has a podcast. He's he's awesome, and he tell like I every time I'm like I complain in a group chat. I'm like, fuck, you know, I just got nuked, and you know. And he's like, well, why are you still on there? Why I don't like, you know, it's there's no point. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is the battleground. We're supposed to be on here. We're so, this is right. what we're supposed to be doing. Like, I mean, it's I feel like I'm giving up. I, obviously, I get, you know, a bit discouraged and I won't post for a bit because I'm so shadow banned. I, like, you know, 20 people will like my post or see it in like three days. But still, you know, eventually that will be lifted. And I, you know, I'm not going to give up until, you know, I exhaust it till the very end until I can do it, you know, no more. Yeah. That's the point. You know, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. I, I think retreating is, is um, giving up. Oh, and at the end of the day, I can't tag Hillary Clinton, Kamal Harris, right. <laughs> Brandon <laughs> and uh, Adam Getter. Schiff and all those people on, on Getter. So I, I, I like, you know, tagging them and leaving a little comment for them every day too. So 
All right. I wonder how many of those like they start recognizing the name, just being like, "Oh, this fucking." Oh, guy. then they just block you. Yeah. Uh, you'll try to tag them, and they'll oh, come up you've and done a good job. Yeah, you. it's your badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. So, have you gotten blocked? Who have you gotten blocked by? Uh, there's been a couple, not any of the big ones. I mean, it used to get to the point when we had our old Twitter accounts that I would tag them with swear words, and then that would just lose my account. And that's why we're on <laughs> account five right now. So now I just like quote their tweets, and I'm just like, "Oh my f and g." So. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into some of the news that we're, we're going to do with you today. Uh, first off is we're waiting on the verdict. The, the jury's gone back for, for deliberations right now in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Uh, huge. Uh, you know, the prosecution has basically failed in trying to make this kid look like a murderer who contemplated murder when he went to, you know, with his friends to kind of, help people and protect businesses in Wisconsin last year. Um, we also saw, you know, this is a huge two way where the prosecution tried to make it seem like if you bring a gun to a skateboard fight, you're no longer the victim. You're now a provocateur. So it's, it's one of those things where there's been a lot of, uh, issues that are, that are important to the United States under the radar and under the microscope during this, I'm sorry, on the radar and under the microscope during this, this court hearing, um, and, and now we're waiting for a verdict from the jury. Kyle Rittenhouse did select his uh, jurors' names out of a hat this morning. I don't know if you guys saw that. There were 18 people on the panel, but only 12 will be the ones who make the decision. So yeah. they, they literally gave him a hat with numbers in it, and he selected who would be, you know, randomly uh, weighing did, in on his fate. Did they change the hat after every juror selection? It's like it was just one name in the hat, and then here's, here's, the, here's the next hat. That would be pretty sad. <laughs> I do want to play a couple of clips from closing arguments yesterday. Uh, the first one was where the uh, the prosecutor Binger uh, described how the that mob guy's an idiot. The mob in Kenosha is still being referenced by people on the left as a, a group of heroes who oh, fell God. victim to an active shooter that night. Negative. <laughs> Amazing. I can't. The situation is the crowd have perfect knowledge. When they're told that person running up the street just shot someone, we don't have time in the moment to go back and take a look at the body and replay the video and make a decision before going after the person with the gun. You know, we've had several police officers testify that in an active shooter situation, their first instinct, their first training is to go in and stop the threat. Oh they don't sit there and wonder, well, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. I'm going to, you know, let, wait and see. And every day we read about heroes that stop active shooters. That's what was going on here. Hmm. Does he realize he's going and against all the other narratives? was right. And that crowd was full of heroes. Ah. That crowd did something that, honestly, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do. If I see a guy running up the street with an AR-15 and I hear he just shot somebody. So he, he, would, nev news. he would never have the courage to... What? Let a kid defend himself that was just pushed down, kicked in the face, shot at, said, hey, let's kill him, have a pointed gun pointed at him, or a loaded gun pointed at him, and then hit in the head with a skateboard. Well, first of all, who the hell runs out? Listen, these guys are not heroes, obviously. But would you run after somebody if you didn't have a gun that had an AR-15? Like, no. Well, that's like, the thing. that They did have guns, and that's why they were running no, after No, no, no. I'm talking about, like, Rosenbaum. He didn't have a gun, right? Well, he was also 
a mental patient. Yeah. yeah, he was mentally ill and probably on meth or some sort of drug because you remember the riots of the summer where they found tons of drug paraphernalia. Um, you reference in the summer of love. Mm-hmm. The summer yes, of love. Exactly. Tons of drugs. I mean, God knows they're probably giving these these kids drugs so that they can keep going, you know, fueling their demonic activity. Yeah, there you go. They're giving them the old Biden mix. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now, why don't you weigh in on what you feel overallly about this whole case and the trial that's gone on for the last couple of weeks? I mean, I think I think the the depiction of the prosecutor, uh, you know, he he really shows himself as a caricature of the entire left. Right. And yeah. they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't know how to they don't know trigger discipline. So how sure are they going to weigh in at it at whole scale about whether or not or how somebody would handle a, a weapon and and in, in, in any aspect, but especially in this one in self-defense. Yesterday, we saw that he was actively putting his finger on the trigger, trigger, pointing the muzzle to an entire audience. I mean, it's like, it's this is exactly the point we're trying to make. Yeah, bolt you guys forward have too. no exact he didn't even check, no idea. check to see if it was clear himself. It's like all like 101. That's right. Would, that's I, would, a gun. I wish Judge Schroeder could have intervened right there because, you know, they really do try to, as judges, not intervene during closing arguments. They kind of just let him go at it. Oh, if I was on the jury, I'd be like, hey, excuse me, can you not point that weapon at me? But, but, sure. but he did say, you know, when he was talking about how police are trained to respond to active shooters and and immediately eliminate the threat without taking into consideration on whether or not it was an act of self-defense, I would have said, are those the same police who are trained to put their finger on the trigger of a gun, which you didn't see was clear, and then go on to point at the jury? Do, do they do yeah. that too? And it's just like they're going... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the left to just completely contradict like the other points that they're using elsewhere. Yeah. Like where all the guns are bad and, oh wait, no, these are heroes now that do this. Yeah. The, the pedophile who had the gun, who got his bicep vaporized, that gun was good because it was going to stop now. Wait, he wasn't the pedophile, was he? Active the, the pedophile was the guy with the, aren't they all pedophiles at the end of the day? <laughs> no, I think he didn't. He beat the shit out of his grandma or something like that. Uh, he was was he a felon? Uh, he was yes, a felon. He, he was a convicted. So, felon. did anybody touch on the point that he wasn't even supposed to have a gun, and his CCW was expired, even if he was allowed to have it? Well, yeah, we listened to the clip last week just, when when, yeah, the, no. when the the prosecutor tried to talk about him having a gun, and that's when the judge stepped in and just went nuclear, and he's like, "We talked about this in pretrial deliberations. You cannot talk about his stances on guns because he had one, and he's not supposed to." Because he's a felon and because he was trying to make it seem like, oh, thank God he had that gun as a visual deterrent because he could have been killed like the other person was. So it was, it was, it was uh, the only reason he didn't get killed is because he hit his bicep instead of his chest. Yeah, true story. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the prosecutor in, in closing of his of closing arguments did go on to mock Kyle Rittenhouse. We'll, we'll hear a little bit from that now. So how do we evaluate the defendant's performance as a medic that night? Well, on one hand... Uh, he wrapped up an ankle and I think maybe helped somebody who got a cut on their hand. Yay. On the other hand, he killed two people. He blew off Gage Grosskreutz's arm and put two more lives in jeopardy. So, you know, when we balance your role as a medic that night, I don't give you any credit. This is a federal prosecutor? Yeah. He showed no remorse for his victims. Never tried to help anybody that he hurt. And even on the witness stand... When he testified on Wednesday, he broke down crying about himself, no. not about anybody that he hurt that night. No 
remorse, no concern for anyone else. Hmm. All right, so let's let's tackle a couple of those points. Oh wow! He didn't try to help anybody that he shot. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the video, idiot, but there was like 500 people chasing him, yeah. and those were just the people that got close enough to hit him. There was also right. hold on, let me stop and see if I can help this guy while a bunch of people are trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. Who are it doesn't even make sense. Nobody kill me in their right now. mind would stop to help when you have you've got a, a violent mob coming after you. It's just right. It's madness. Yeah, you provide aid to somebody that you've shot in like a law enforcement capacity if the area is secure and everything's clear and you've already radioed for backup. This kid is out on his own, completely cut off from anybody that he was previously with. Outnumbered. Just what a disingenuous argument. This prosecutor is a piece of shit. Yeah, he certainly was and was. Um, News of the trial was brought up yesterday fresh off of I'm air quoting now, COVID. Oh! Jen Psaki was back. Oh, she's back? I was back? wondering when she was going to be back. And Peter Ducey has probably been sitting on this one for <laughs> since the trial began. He wanted to ask her uh, why at some point... Do you think he sent her a get well soon card? Right after the initial incident... With a question on the back? Last summer, <laughs> did Joe Biden refer to this 17-year-old kid who is the victim of nearly dying? Um, why did he refer to him as a white supremacist? She was instantly angered and mm. probably wished that Emerald Robinson was there. <laughs> Something tied to an ongoing court case. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? Uh. So, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, oh, of uh, nor the president's <laughs> past comments. Excellent dodge. Uh, what I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities oh. with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunists corrupting peaceful protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent really? anywhere in the country. As you know, really? closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to, I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, there's an ongoing trial. We're awaiting a verdict. Beyond that, I'm not going to speak to any individuals or this case. But the president has spoken to it already. And his mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, came out saying that the president defamed her son. Facts. And that claims, uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son is a white supremacist, he was doing that to win votes. Is that what happened? I just have nothing more to speak to in an ongoing case uh, where the closing arguments were just made. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> of course. Wait, what did she say about but people burning down... Can weigh in on on Derek Chauvin's verdict, right? Yeah. Like back back he said, earlier this year. Yeah, he said jail forever for that guy, right? Well, yeah, because they already won. Terrible what a nonsense. It, it definitely is. It was it was very sad. Wait, what was she saying about people burning down the communities they're yeah, exactly. they're supposed like, to be protecting? Like, what? wait, what? When did that happen? <laughs> and who instigated that? And, and let's who, who bailed those people out? And let's jump to the he didn't have an assault weapon. That's the most bullshit designation for that they use constantly. It's a semi-automatic rifle. So it's getting it's so not, old and played out. It's this not three-round like burst. <laughs> it's not full auto. It is not an assault weapon. It just is scary and black. Yeah. Wait, wait what? What? The rifle, the black oh, rifle. Is it the greatest <laughs> rifle ever? In the history of rifles? Yeah. Like Satchel Paige? Joe Biden called the greatest Negro ever last week on oh Veterans Day. God. No, it's 
people get so hemmed up on the assault rifle thing. And it's like people who should know better still say it. Yeah. And it drives me up the fucking wall. It's like, it's, I mean, it's a simple designation between two different things that look similar or the same. They actually look exactly the same. Yeah. But look at the point they were trying to make about the handgun, you know, versus the AR-15. In my opinion, one is not more dangerous than the other. Sure aren't. Depends on how you use it, too. Yeah. Who's using it? Oh, it depends how far away you are. Yeah, too, obviously. Like, you give me a rifle, you give me a handgun, I'm pretty good. With both? At both at close range. Yeah. Now, give me a handgun, try to, you know, have me shoot somebody at 100 yards, might be another story. Right. Walmart lost prevention unit. Representing, <laughs> trying to get some at the other end of the parking lot. <laughs> there you go. Uh, one, of, we're we're gonna move on now. I mean, we're waiting for the verdict. We we could hear it today. I'm I'm more thinking Wednesday or Thursday. We'll probably hear for it. So they have the act. They could utilize the entire weekend to burn down what's left of Kenosha. Yeah. What do you What are your uh, predictions for this? I don't I hate this. I hate to even venture to guess. In reality, it should be all ch- acquitted, mistrial, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse not being convicted of anything. But we don't live in reality. Yeah, and after some of the verdicts we've seen over the last couple of years, I got I a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm trying to stay hopeful. Yeah, well, I've, been do- I've been doing that, that for a while. Uh, hasn't they were out. actually preparing. For, they were bracing. What did they say? City braces for verdict. Yeah, they they so, deployed the National Guard. They've boarded up businesses. Not like that matters. You're just adding more kindling to what will eventually burn. Um, but we'll we'll have to see, and if we get a verdict before Friday, obviously we'll we'll break it down a little bit more. God, it must be costing a fortune to board up buildings right now. Yep, true story. I had to buy lumber the other day; it was really expensive. Hmm. Definitely one thing I do want to touch on with Nat while she's with us today, and let her talk about it extensively using whatever pronoun she wants to uh, while describing it is the COVID <laughs> narrative. Because on this show we call it what it is, Bullshit. and uh, yeah, uh, we j- we just have to go with it and because we're doing the news and we're giving commentary on it um it's pretty interesting when you get two pathological liars together dr fauci sat down with dan rather this weekend <laughs> they both wore uh collared shirts and turtlenecks Wait, wow a collared shirt and a turtleneck yeah like at the o- same time oxford shirt and a turtleneck underneath is is pretty creepy looking so it's like he actually does look like the doctor from the Burbs in this one now. When when he dresses like that, Fauci and Dan rather like matched him and a jacket over it, so they went full band in three shirts. And uh, <laughs> so they, they they did an interview. I would say it's a fireside piece, but they were outside on on a deck somewhere. And the first thing Doctor Fauci talked about, which is what he's been known for since the start of this whole thing, was the misinformation that's out there. His misinformation? I don't know. We're gonna hear it right now. One of the things that to me was most difficult to accept is that we put together a good plan for how we were going to try and dampen down the spread of infection early on. Thinking that that was accepted by everybody and then the next day the president saying free Michigan, free Virginia. I didn't quite understand what the purpose of that was except to put this misplaced perception about people's individual right to make a decision that supersedes the societal safety. That to me is one of the things that I think went awry in all of this. Did you ever raise that with President Trump? You know, I didn't have the opportunity to raise it. I was sort of like shocked. And then I didn't speak to him for some time after that. But 
it was at that point that I realized that I would have to just get out there myself and say things that clearly were going to be contradictory. I'm not totally sure of what the, the president was referring to. That it was much worse than we're saying it was. That it's not going to go away tomorrow. It's not going to disappear like magic. Because you're- mm. Wait, yeah. is he talking about the things that he said that were contradictory to the other things that he said? Or the things we- that were contradictory to what the president said? Which were all of them. Nat, I want you to weigh in on this. Why don't you tell us what you feel about how the overall COVID narrative has been managed right now? And then why don't you give us some of your personal feelings on Dr. Fauci? Uh, so <laughs> actually, it's actually causing their own destruction because yes. I think more people are waking up to the BS than they actually cause. They are they, they actually intent. They attend. You know, they they're regulations are just so ludicrous and ridiculous it just doesn't make sense and up to now i think that you know anybody who is complying or even trying to enforce these type of rules at this current point have to be uh, borderline insane because how, how do you not see all the contradictions that that are taking place and on top of that we're starting to see, you know, uh, the the whole argument for us or for the pure bloods out there, mm-hmm. pure bloods, <laughs> for all the pure bloods out there who who didn't take this experimental vaccine, we're now start the the entire argument uh, on that was that we did not have enough data. We didn't know what the effects were going uh, were going to take place. We didn't know what was go- what was going to cause or what bodily harm would come out of this. And now we're starting to see the fruit of that because yep. now you're seeing nothing but myocarditis or ditis, myocarditis in young people, which oh, is very rare. That's actually climate starting, change. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're starting to see these athletes fall out in the middle of the field. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what we were. We were. This is exactly what we were arguing at the very beginning. Yeah. We don't have enough data and now we do and we visibly see it. Yep. But now they're hiding it. Oh, yeah. And guess what they're going to do at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're for those that are injured through this. They're, they're, you're going to see a lot more. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, rebuttals. You're going to see a lot of more lawsuits. You're going to see people actually wake up because yep. they're experiencing it, which, by the way, there are that small. There's that small subset population that are like. I would at the end of the day, even though I was hospitalized through getting this injury, I would still do it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to protect people. People's children the died, and they're still insane thing I've ever hundred percent on board ever, ever heard in my life. But at the end of the day, when more and more is going to happen, which it will, because now it will affect more children, unfortunately and very sadly, you're going to see lawsuits. You're going to see people start to actually finally wake up to the entire agenda. And guess what they're going to say? Well, we never forced it on you guys. Mm-hmm. You decided to take it. It was your choice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. And he did talk about the the vaccine levels of death, just not the way you, you would think. Because remember, it's always about projection and blaming other things. Well, they're just, they're, right. everything they're doing now is they're just prepping everybody to believe some other bullshit, like with the 
climate change may cause increased rates of heart defects in babies. Yeah, like, exactly. What, when was that a thing? Well, ever. You know, you know that, that was actually being, they were priming people way before for this because obviously they've been planning this for a long time. I, I believe that article was in 2016 or tw no, 2013. One of them, I'm don't quote me exactly, but I was, re I, I was reading about that uh, yesterday. And um, I posted it. I'll find it, but and and send it to you. But yeah, they they were trying to brace us for that bullshit way back then. That climate change is going to start affecting people's hearts and children and all this crap. Well, I tell you one thing. Because now they're doing it more. Obviously, you see it on buses and you know billboards. Yeah, and smoking weed and and being little could increase your risk of heart attack and strokes and all this other stuff. It's it's pretty funny. He did yeah. say the enormous failures um, that we've had with the uh, battling the flu now has read, has led to a uh, more of, you know, harder stance on the COVID vaccine, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, let's hear it. A couple of years ago, it was not uncommon for us to lose 30,000 Americans a year to the flu. Right. Is that an acceptable level? No, it's not. The difference between influenza and COVID-19 is that we don't have a very name. good vaccine <laughs> against influenza. So we or cannot COVID. accept a high level of deaths to COVID-19 when we have a vaccine that could prevent it. That's 100% unequivocally false. And I think the scariest part of this whole sit down he did with Dan Rather was... Remember, and, and I, I'm almost certain that they were jerking each other off underneath the table because the level at both of them and the way that they lie. Well, is it was like, a scripted plan thing. I'm surprised they didn't just like cut and go back and re, re Oh, let's do that one again. That yeah. was a little bit weird. You kind of sound like a putz. Yeah. Well, we need to sound meaner and even more diabolical. Dr. Fauci, even though a lot of the prominent people on the right side of the aisle are going around the legacy media circuit right now saying, we can't wait to win back the House and Senate because we're going to be holding people like Dr. Fauci accountable. In addition to everyone who's running now in the midterms on the America First platform is basically using it as one of their catching points. Like, if you're tired of lockdowns, if you're tired of people dying from the jab, if you're tired of losing your jobs, Anthony Fauci is going to be the first person we hold accountable when we all get into the House and Senate. He went out and said, even though he's going to turn 81 this year, he's here to stay. You are part of the problem. No, he is the problem. Mm. And I guess I should point out that 20 months ago, we thought that nationally trusted figure was a fellow by the name of Anthony Fauci. Mm. And for a while, it looked as though you were. It's right. a sociopathic behavior right then, there. I didn't create political divisiveness. And that's the thing we're dealing with. We're capitalize dealing on with it. Yeah. The uncomfortable but real element of political divisiveness at a time when we are in the middle of a war against a virus. Well, the no, 1 but in, in a few weeks, you're going to be 81 years old. Death rate. It would not be unreasonable to say, you know something, folks? I've done what I could. See you. That's not the way I look at it. Hmm. I'm the head of an institute that actually played the major role in, this virus. in the development of the vaccines oh. that Close. have saved now you millions of lives at COVID-19. I'm the director of the Institute that has now been very important in the basic research oh. in leading to the drugs that will now have an important impact in the treatment of COVID-19. This might be it. That's what I do. Hmm. So I'm gonna keep doing that until this COVID-19 outbreak is in the rear view mirror. 
regardless of what anybody says about me or wants to lie and create crazy fabrications because of political motivations. Man, he nah, might... I don't think it's political motivations. I think people are starting to see that it's all bullshit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You think he's a big fan of uh, Rand Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they get Christmas cards from each other. True story. Nah, that's that's pretty scary to hear him, you know, boast like that. What what do you what do you hear when when you hear, you know, this person who's done what he's done to the country, regardless of whether or not originally his intentions were good, he does have a long documented track history of not being good. When you talk about things like the way he's dealt with uh, influenza and the way he's dealt with certain cancers and especially the way he's dealt with HIV in the past, uh, to hear him continue to push on this narrative of basically using the country as test subjects for his, you know, monster making uh, stuff that they do in labs in other countries. Yeah. So, you know, he had, like you said it, he, he hasn't had a great track record in his, in his tenure as, you know, he's held his position mm -hmm. and, you know, even what, what is so crazy to me is that you can literally have transcribed in your face, Fauci emails. You can have, I mean, the audacity, you can have pet, ex or, I'm sorry, not pet animal experiments and, and that was the thing that woke people up. Yeah. And yet he still has the audacity gall and balls to go on national TV and say that he's not the problem. I mean, he it, it, more and more people will they will they will realize who he is and what he's done. Um, and really, you know, to be honest with you, it's nothing but an echo chamber within the mainstream media because yeah, right. everybody doesn't believe them. I mean, I, I highly doubt that they have they have the, the widest reach right now. So, you know, he's he's really causing his own destruction, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point and uh, definitely one that we've tried to, you know, carry on on this show. And, and we don't do it just because it's our opinion. We've seen it. We've heard it. Um, we've watched him testify. We've seen, like you said, leaked documents that are literally physical evidence. And right. uh, he, he's still able to go on and do what he does. Someone who does a little bit better job than him, in my opinion, Dr. Malone, appeared on a podcast this weekend and kind of weighed in on some of the misinformation that's going on, especially in regards to the stuff that's going on with the kids. Uh, we're going to hear that in our last clip with, with Nat today. Let's, let's check out what he was talking about in regards to that. The fortunate truth is, that we're going to have to have many children die before people wake up mm. here. Just that's what's that. going to happen. And that's what's got the founders of the Unity Project just livid right now, is that we're rushing forward pell-nell, willy-nilly, on damaging and killing children. Um, and now they're going to launch clinical trials in basically very young children, two to three, Okay. Mm. And there will be childhood death. There will be childhood damage. And it seems that we're going to have to have that for people to wake up, to get through this brain fog. They're all, all suffering. What do you think? Any kind of, you know, thing outside of normal speak that he's talking about there? I mean, that's pretty much it. Well, the unfortunate thing is that there is such a huge group of people that will rationalize anything that happens. Like, this fucking climate change nonsense. Right. And just prepping for, I mean, when when have you ever heard of needing blood thinners for 
infants. Yeah. I know. Like unless like they have some sort five of year olds. extreme, strange, rare case, you yeah. know, like of some disease that's just like off the wall. Like it doesn't happen very much, but there's some blood thinners that we made just for the kids. Yeah. Mm. Or like a parent uh, posted on Twitter, her son in the hospital with Bell's palsy, um, myocarditis and all this, all these other issues from, from the jab saying, you know, thank God he has the shot, you know, like yeah. still completely like for it. And I'm like, that's holy the, shit, that's your the kid son is in the ICU. Yeah. He woke up from a four day coma to eat his pizza. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And I, <sighs> I'm just mind blown. I, I can't, I hate these people. I'm sorry, but it's a strong word, but I, I don't, some people sh- should just not be parents. Well, the good thing is for, I mean, oh. it's definitely not like a cut and dry 50-50, but mm-hmm. for each one of those, there's a couple or vice versa of the person that says, hey, I was just trying to tell you what happened to my kid. I'm I'm on your team. Mm-hmm. Why are you guys silencing me? Why are you? Why am I being canceled? Like, I'm just saying like my kid has myocarditis or pericarditis yeah. or whatever. You know, it's like. And he I've didn't have it last week before so you got the jab. So many stories of that mm-hmm. where they're just like, Hey, you know, I was all on board with the shot, but maybe we need to talk about this. And then they're just totally obliterated off social media, and everybody's just like shitting on them. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah I've seen that one, that one athlete, what is what is he? Um, I forgot what he does. Well, this big athlete, he he was crying. I saw it on Telegram. He was saying, "I've been censored and kicked off of everywhere. I'm telling you what, you know, what's happening to me. Nobody will listen to me. Um, the doctors won't even hear it." It's 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 sad. Yeah, you've had two prominent. I mean, there's been dozens of professional athletes who have died throughout the world. Maybe not as many in the United States, although we've seen some in the United States. There's a who, lot of soccer players and stuff on. And yeah, there's a famous brother and sister. They died a hundred days apart of each other. Uh, no, one was really double jabbed, well. and one was double jabbed with a booster. And I can only imagine what families like that are going through. They both yeah. died of heart attacks. Well, they're going through rationalization. Probably mm-hmm. it depends on what it depends on how deep they are into this freaking fog that people are just allowing themselves to be in. True story. Now let's give you the last word on our COVID segment this week and, and get it all out and give it to our audience on what you feel like uh, moving forward. We might be seeing a little bit. Well, we're, we're looking at different facets of it, right? Yeah. So he's right. We're going to see a lot more devastating effects. We're going to see, uh, you know, children have their, you know, unfortunate and injuries and even, you know, um, unfortunately, and I, I hate to say it, but that's, what's going to wake people up yeah. is seeing these, ma- the masses of these children being injured and just, um, having a, probably the most devastating effect, which could lead to uh, fatality, but we're also seeing it on a different f- front, the military, you know, yep. border patrol, you know, they're, they're already most of the, most of the free thinking, people in those agencies or in those, 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 uh, groups, they're starting to turn away. I talked to Dr. Shannon Croner over the weekend. Mm. Uh, she was at the, the reawaken tour. Yeah, she's good. She's great. She's amazing. And what she's doing right now is, you know, uh, basically fighting the system. Um, and her concentration is in the military, but you know, that's, that's, that's an even more terrifying facet is not only are we looking at, some possible injuries to children, which, you know, I think, I think a lot of people can say that that's, that's, that's the last mark. That's yeah. the, that's where you cross the line. But on top of that, our, our, our national security is at risk. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of facets all at once that are going to be affected by this. But at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, the reason why there is so much pushback and censorship is because they realize that we are the majority. And if we each do our, our part to petition, protest, and, um, you know, really speak out against this, this tyranny, then we'll, we'll win at the end of the day, but yeah. it's going to take all of us. It's going to take a, a whole bunch more than what, what we see, which is a lot, but it's going to take almost everybody, you know, to push back. So, you know, I don't know if that's like the, a last word I can have, but, you know, people really ought to get involved, whether it's petition signing, showing up the, at the courts every single, every single time they hold meetings and hold, hold everybody accountable, put pressure on these officials, these local officials that are passing these mandates for your children, for your, your city and your community. And re- really be a presence there because we can be a voice on the internet and you could be a bad boy on the internet, but unless you're actually taking that, um, you're actualizing what you're, what you're talking about, it, we're not going to see any changes. You're just a voice on the internet, you know? So that's, that's what I have to say. Yeah, that's, that's a, some really good points you made. Um, we, know, we know you got to run and we, we, we know you, you're going to be busy doing some shows and stuff now, but we do want to be able to direct uh, traffic your way. Why don't you give us your, uh, links and we'll live link them in the show description today. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I am on, um, what else? Rumble. And if, if you basically look up and Natalie, N-A-T-L-Y, Denise, it's pretty unique enough that I'll pop in the, the search pretty fast. Yeah, that's perfect. And I mean, like I said, in the beginning, when you came on, you're one of our favorite guests. We, we value your opinion and all the hard work that you do. Um, and then after the holidays, you know, we'll probably look to circle back with you again. There is one question. I've had three people on the show as guests now who have asked specifically about this. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Hopefully it's not uncomfortable. Sure. Your documentary that you're working on right now. Um, yeah. Everybody wants it. And I said, I talked to somebody offline the other day and I said, you know what? She's going to be on the show next week. I'll try to get an update from her. Yep. So Right now, as it stands, uh, and this will be news because I haven't put this out. I'm going to have to yes. reshoot it because there's been a lot more information, okay. a lot more information that has come come out uh, since my research. I actually uh, enlisted another additional person on the oh, project wow. who oh, is wow. doing a lot of research on the Chester Bennington piece. A lot, and she has she has come out with a lot more information that I discovered. And I'm talking about this is information that nobody has talked about. So. Wow. It's going to be a much bigger documentary. Uh, again, I'll, uh, I'll have to reshoot it because, again, there's just so much additional information. It's I don't want it to be a Frankenstein-looking documentary. No, right, makes with, sense. You know, so so um, I I would say like look look for it in the spring. Okay, well, that definitely yeah. gives us something to look forward to. Yeah, it's like I, I mean, I I know everybody loves Chester Bennington, but Chris Cornell is probably one of my all-time faves. Grew up, you know listening to black hole sun and then taking it all the way through the, the stuff he did with audio slave and some of his independent work is just really good uh, to hear that someone's going to be bringing a lot of this, the murky weirdness, not only around the ends of their lives and their friendship, but around their deaths coming from nobody better from the host of both unravel and nightly with Natalie, miss Natalie, Denise, thank you for joining us today. And we can't wait to have you back again. For sure. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great day and the rest of your good, uh, uh, rest of your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Take care. All right. Round in third now heading home. Last segment coming up. Thanks to both of our guests, Mike Crispy and uh, Natalie Denise for coming on with us today. We appreciate not only their commentary, but everything they do for the community. 
Yeah, um, Mike's been awesome. Just yeah, you want to pinch it real quick? Come on. Yeah, he's he's turned out to be a pretty good, really good friend, and uh, not just friend of the show, but we talk every day and BS back and forth and kind of bounce ideas off each other. And you see a lot of the stuff that's reflected on his shows as some of the stuff that's also reflected on here as well. I'd just like to say to all of our friends like that that you talk to on a regular basis. I don't talk to anyone, so mm-hmm. don't feel bad. <laughs> I barely talk to you guys. Same. True story. So, yeah, it's an extra job in addition to this job, which is in addition to our actual jobs. Exactly. And then I, I have a family as well, which is job number one. So mm. always busy. Um, I do want to touch on, in our last segment, we've, we, we've had some developments both with the ever-evolving Durham case, uh, we'll segue that into a little bit of the January 6th narrative and then some of the stuff that went down with Steve Bannon on Monday. So Maria Bartiromo had some uh, guests on this weekend. First up was uh, great patriot Cash Patel. Um, and they were talking about on, uh, you know, not only what is up with the Durham case, but where he thinks it's eventually leading us to. Let's hear that in our first clip. Those who abused power are now in power. Jake Sullivan was the uh, communications person for Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, a manager for her. Now he is uh, working for Joe Biden uh, at the NSA. Uh, he said he put out a tweet and a uh, post uh, back in October of 2016. Listen to this. This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to the Russian-based bank. <gasps> Here is his post that Hillary Clinton then tweeted out. Jake Sullivan was peddling and spreading the dossier. He was, and he has the gall to come into Congress. And uh, as you mentioned, I took so many of those depositions mm-hmm. and say he had no idea, like Fiona Hill, how the dossier was created or who the $10 million Jake Sullivan and the DNC were paying was being utilized to collect foreign intelligence fraudulent information. So I think John Durham's on his case. And Maria, wouldn't it be the irony of all ironies for the current national security prosecutor to, to get charged with an actual felony based <laughs> on real information and fact and not have this Department of Justice withhold exculpatory evidence like they did to the former national security advisor under Donald Trump. I think that's the accountability that the American public so desperately need. And I think that's where this road is going and where John Durham's taking us. I like it. I I definitely can only imagine the wealth of information that Cash, who went after all those people while he was serving in the Trump administration, turned over to John Durham. Um, Mm -hmm. Antoinette, what do you think? I know you, you, you always keep a really good eye on this whole ever developing John Durham case. I don't know. I just think that a lot, um, I think we're starting to see like the beginning of like, you know, I mean, people thought that John Durham didn't even exist, that it was all bullshit. And I think we're seeing um, what everybody's been saying for a long time, you know, including us, you know, come to fruition. And I can't wait to see what else is down the pipeline. Yeah. Maria forgot to mention in that resume she was giving from Jake Sullivan that he also served under Susan Rice. Um, when she yeah. worked for the Obama administration, which is probably how he got the job he's currently in now. Um, next up on the show, and then continuing to talk about, uh, you know, Obama and Hillary's efforts to delegitimize the Trump presidency was former Georgia Congressman uh, Doug Collins, who, who's always good to hear from. He's pretty fiery, and let's hear what, what kind of he took Maria down. 
Evans, who was the ranking member on the House Judiciary. And Doug, I want to ask you about all of this that you're uh, spot on on in terms of Hillary Clinton's culpability. How come we never see any accountability? I mean, you're talking about Hillary Clinton and this cover-up, and then Jim Comey, uh, Andrew McCabe, and, and Peter Strzok. Do you think that the, in, the indictments will lead to the FBI from John Durham? They need to, because that's where this is, you know, you go back and you look at where this all started. And Maria, you've helped for so long, you know, point this out. But I'm going to say not only the FBI, Comey and Strzok and McCabe ought to be very concerned about uh, Durham's investigation. But I'm going to say Brennan and Clapper. Remember, they were the ones who actually briefed Obama about the entire plot from Hillary Clinton to try and paint Donald Trump with Russia. There's got to be some accountability. Yeah, we have a picture of John Brennan in uh, the Oval Office with President Obama explaining. Uh, and we know now the notes because John, John, uh, John Ratcliffe exposed those notes showing that Brennan told Obama that Hillary Clinton was cooking up this idea uh, to, to tie Donald Trump. So they all knew they all were were aware of what was going on. Let me switch. Well, there's that. I mean, again. I think at the end of the day, my hope for the Durham investigation is that all roads will eventually lead to Hillary Clinton and above, which would be the Obama White House. I think it will. I mean, you're already seeing it, you know, the start of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to uh, kind of hear how this is all developing. Um, one of the biggest proprietors of the Steele dossier, um, who's come back out lately to try and save some of his, if there's any left, credibility, um, Rep. Adam Schiff. Oh, God. Yeah, he, he did jump on with Chuck Todd, and it's like we, we mentioned earlier in the show today, the, the legacy media is having a really hard time of continuing to champion the narrative of mm -hmm. which is the you know current administration, but it also falls back on some of the things that they did leading up to what happened after the election in 2020. Um, Todd pressed him on the uh, Steele dossier, and Adam Schiff's answer was actually pretty surprising to me. Let's hear this. I want to ask you something about the Steele dossier because it has been in the news for a lot of uh, other reasons, including some questions about its validity. Uh, I want to play some uh, recent uh, uh, pre uh, sound that you Spit had out. in the Steele dossier over the years. Take a listen. According to Christopher Steele, a British, a former British intelligence officer who is reportedly held in high regard by U.S. intelligence. When you look at just what has become public, uh, some of the public information is very much lying. in line with what nice. is reported in that dossier. The most significant thing to me is that Christopher Steele may have found out, even before our own intelligence agencies, that the Russians were in fact aiming to help Donald Trump in the election. As chair of the House Intelligence Committee, do you regret giving some credibility to the Steele dossier before anybody had been able to verify anything in that? A lot of those clips were done before there was any good verification. Look, there's some news organizations that made the mistake of publishing this dossier without verifying it. That's a separate conversation for those news organizations. But you helped give it credibility. Do you regret it? No. I don't regret saying that we should investigate claims of someone who, frankly, was a well-respected British intelligence uh, officer. No, he wasn't. Uh, and we couldn't have known, of course, years ago that we would year learn years later that someone who was a primary source lied to him. But what? Chuck Todd literally played a 30-second mm -hmm. montage of him going around the, you know, news shows lying about the credibility of the Steele dossier. And then Adam Schiff decides to double down no, and say, I regret nothing.
And then they go like, well, you know, he was actually lied to by his source. It's not his fault. Isn't isn't it pretty interesting that his source was also bought and paid for by the DNC and the Clinton campaign as well? Oops. Yeah. Uh Why does that sound familiar? Oh, that's everywhere. Everywhere always. Yeah. He's going to do nothing but double down at this point. He's too deep. He's way too deep into it, into the lies. Well, that's everything. Like everything that's going on right now, it's in order for them to admit wrongdoing in Uh any sort of even the most minuscule facet of what's going on, they will be kicking and screaming before they do anything to even say like, yeah, you know what, we're yeah, we yeah, that one we fucked up a little bit. Like, because if they just if if they did just that little bit, it, it open it opens up Pandora's box mm-hmm. for them. Well, also making the rounds this weekend is a uh, new book that's coming out outlining some of the um, life's and times of January sixth. Seriously, it's a Trump uh-huh. hit piece, and oh. there there's some accompanying audio that went into the writing of the book. Is it this? Oh. Scissor me timbers. You better be ready for it. Um, Donald Trump sat down for an interview with the person who was writing this book, and some of the audio excerpts that have leaked online uh, directly reflect on how some of the temperature of that day was. Is the audio book narrated by Morgan Freeman? It should be eventually. Um, Because I'd love to hear him say... I'd listen to it, actually. (laughs) When the guy asked Donald Trump if he told Mike Pence that he would go down as the biggest pussy in the history <laughs> of the world if he didn't stop the steal. And then asked him, did you really think that when people were entering the halls of Congress and saying, hang Mike Pence, were they going to hang Mike Pence? At that point, they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Well, let, let's is hear. There, is there audio of Trump actually saying that? Because, man. Well, there is audio of somebody asking him about that, and we're going to play it for you right now. Mm. Pence did the right thing. He defied Trump when it mattered most, igniting the fury of the rioters. One of the many unbelievable things about that day is that as the Capitol was evacuated and rioters called for Pence's death, Trump never bothered to check on his safety. I asked the former president about that. Rather than condemning the chance to hang his vice president, Trump seemed to justify them. Were you worried about him during that, that siege? Were you worried about no, his safety? No, I thought he was well protected, and I, I had heard that he was in good shape. No, you I heard those chants. That was terrible. I mean, was, you know, the... He could have. Well, the people were very angry. <laughs> we're saying hang my Because it's, it's common sense. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right? Yeah. How can you pass on a fraudulent vote? Congress. He went on to talk at length about how it was, quote, common sense that Pence should have acted to overturn the election. Facts. If Pence did what you wanted, you think you would still be in the White House? I think we would have won, yeah. Can you ever forgive him for that? Uh, I don't know, because uh, um, I picked him. I like him. I still like him. Uh, but I don't know that I can forgive him. Angry and bitter in defeat, this is what Trump said when I asked him about his list of potential running mates if he were to run again. I mean, I assume Pence is no longer on that list. Well, I didn't say that, but... But, I mean, I can assume that, can't I? But he did the wrong thing. He's a very nice man. I I like him a lot. Yeah. I like his family so much, but uh, he did... did, It was a terrible... It was a tragic (coughs) mistake. There's no response to any of this from Mike Pence yet, but George... 
The real question is the one that you asked just now, Senator Barrasso, uh, to Republican leaders and to Republican rank and file uh, voters, as Donald Trump is very clearly suggesting that he uh, is planning to run or at least strongly considering running for president again. Can those Republicans support somebody who defended rioters calling for the execution of his former vice president? He That's didn't. the question for every Republican leader now. Well, you saw Senator Brussels certainly didn't want to criticize it. Uh, meantime, you know, you report on that Ellis memo to Mark Meadows. That's presumably one of the documents that is caught up in this executive privilege fight right now that is going to the courts that Donald Trump wants to shield. And Mark Meadows now could be facing the same fate as Steve Bannon being held in contempt of Congress. Uh, the committee uh, sure suggested that they are going to uh, consider holding him in contempt. I'm sure Meadows is watching very closely what happens to Bannon. But this was a this is a very important document, George. On New Year's Eve, it is from the you know from Meadows himself forwarded to Mike Pence's chief of staff, and it outlines in very clear detail uh, what what should be done on January 6th to effectively overturn the election to effectively have a coup. This is Mark Meadows forwarding a memo, not from an outside lawyer, but from a lawyer for the campaign. Well, there's another guy who likes to tap the table when he's making a, uh, you know, statement. Did you, did you hear him? He makes. Did you hear yeah. him when he, when he said rioters, he like almost hesitated. He's like, oh shit, I should yeah. say ri rioters. Yep. <laughs> and, and, he's and like, oh, we just did that thing where we always project and. The memos he was referring to also were, were the one of the two memos. One was from Mark Meadow and his team, and the other one was uh, drafted by Jenna Ellis in the first week of January 2020. That basically outlined how Mike Pence had the legal authority as the president of the Senate um, in the Electoral College to certify or not votes that he felt were either valid or cast fraudulently. So, and I'm starting to see how this narrative is picking up. I think the only reason the January 6th committee uh, exists right now is that they're going to create a false narrative. Yep. I would think an overwhelming majority, and I'm saying like 99th percentile of the people are going to get off pretty much with a misdemeanor or less, even though they've been detained for this long and this hard. But nobody's getting charged with insurrection. Well, what they are going to do is take sound bites from this and play them in Democrat, um, you know, campaign videos for the 2024 presidential election over and over and over. Every single thing is going to be like Trump talking, somebody giving disposition to the January 6th committee, and then the people pushing into the Capitol. That's going to be the yep. narrative that they have nothing else. They literally have nothing else. The economy is destroyed. Our, our foreign presence is, is, is destroyed right now and under oh, heavy scrutiny. Decimated. Yeah. There's just so many different, you know, the border, the COVID stuff, they have nothing to put. If they're going to try and say, Joe Biden got the his bullshit infrastructure bill passed where like 11% of it actually goes to infrastructure as the, the champion of, of the next president. The crown jewel of his administration. It's not going to go yeah. very well for them. So they're going to have to do this fear porn, which they always do. Now, those guys mentioned Steve Bannon at the end. You know, he did defy his subpoena last week and then in turn was issued a, basically a warrant because he, he did not do what, you know, the January 6th committee had asked him to do. He, he also mentioned that Mark Meadows is in that group as well. He didn't turn over the documents that they asked for in addition to not showing up um, to give disposition. So Steve Bannon turned himself in yesterday and made it the opening for the War Room podcast. <laughs> the audio of that's brilliant because it's it's literally Steve Bannon like getting ushered in and he's, and he's doing the, oh, hold, hold, hold on. Yep. So l let's hear the intros for the uh, War Room yesterday as Steve Bannon came into FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. Yeah. 
We've all been standing here. Please get out of our way. Thank you. Where are we? Where's the live stream? Thank you. Back up. Back up. Thank you. Everybody get back. Everybody get Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Everybody get Where are we? Excuse me. 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 Excuse it uh, live stream on Getter right now. Everybody watching in the war room, we're here today. I don't want anybody to take their eye off the ball of what we do every day. Okay, we got the Hispanics coming on our side, African Americans coming on our side. We're taking down the Biden regime every day. The focus you got Raheem Ghassan today, you got Dr. Peter Navarro, Captain Bannon. You're going to have uh, Boris Epstein, the whole show intense. We got polling out, economic data out everything. I want you guys to stay focused, stay on message. Remember, signal, not noise. This is all noise. That's signal. Thank you very much. Are you optimistic today? How are you feeling today, Mr. Sounds like it. You know he wasn't done. He went on to... Uh, Somebody kept peppering him with some questions, and he finally gave in and kind of answered one. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good answer, and we'll, we'll talk about it after. Let's, let's hear what he said right before he got into the front door. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off Marine One. And we're going to do, we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this and stand by. They, by, by the way, by the way, by the way, you should understand Nancy Pelosi took, is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out for them, okay? Mm. We're going on the offense. I like it. Yeah, not bad. It, it was definitely some fire from, uh, you know, the honey badger himself and... <laughs> He's not wrong. Mm -mm. I mean, they're they're literally going to go after him for nothing. Uh, he was a year and a half removed from the White House when the insurrection went down. And I don't know if they could say someone who's a private citizen who's doing a podcast can literally incite something like whatever did or did not happen on January 6th. But they're going to have a really hard time tying it to him. Yeah, I think so, too. So, and, and, you know, the last couple episodes of War Room have been pretty fire. They've brought, you know, an overwhelming majority of the original cast back. Peter Navarro's on there every day. I hope it doesn't affect his appearance on Steak for Breakfast mm. on Friday. Uh, <laughs> Basobic's been on there. Raheem's been the uh, main host. And then this morning, Steve is uh, doing it from wherever he's staying in D.C. while he's, you know, waiting on whatever disposition he has to get in. He was released yesterday, I believe. I don't know if there was bond or not, but all he had to do was surrender his press pass or I'm sorry, his passport, and then say if he plans on leaving the greater D.C. area before he gives his disposition, then he just needs to let the FBI know. What if you don't have a passport and you need to surrender it? What do they do? I don't know. Good question. Ask the people who came over from Afghanistan. What if it's expired? <laughs> oh, there you go. What if it's a photocopy of a photocopy of your passport? Well, you know what they say. There are waivers for everything. Mm. Uh, la last couple of the day, you know, Tucky obviously wanted to touch on this last night because he knows how important Steve Bannon is to not only the movement, but the overall conservative narrative in the country. And uh, 
again, spilling into the mainstream media after some on, you know, CNN, MSNBC all went and demonized the Clay Clark reawaken America tour that happened over the weekend. That is pretty much at the direction of Clay Clark and General Flynn. How do you demonize that? It's like a pretty good thing. Well, they just say it's all the QN and Trump conspiracy theorists who thinks the election should be overturned and Mike Pence should be hung. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's three out of four ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the I general mean, sat I mean, down. Some of that's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. To talk with Tucky last night. Let's hear what they kind of said in this last clip of the day. A clear assault on our basic rights and, and principally our freedom to speak freely in this country and to peaceably protest for things that we believe are false or fraudulent. Exactly. From what I can tell, they are attempting to criminalize opinions that they don't like. You're allowed to have any view of the last election that you want, any view you want, on anything in this country, period. Your views cannot be criminalized because ideas and speech are never criminal in a free country. I don't understand that, I mean, the pretext for they're going to throw Bannon in jail if they can because they don't like his opinions? What, where are the Republican leaders standing up against this? Right. Yeah, and, and the other big question is sort of the, 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 the 60,000 foot view is when does this stop or will it ever stop? And I actually don't see it stopping. I, I actually think that we are going to continue to see this relentless pursuit of, of uh, what I just call an assault on our rights yeah. top to bottom. And, you know, I'd recommend everybody to go and read the Bill of Rights because every single one of those is at risk under this particular regime that we are... Um, you know, we are being, you know, basically uh, dominated by within the political, you know, realm of this country. And, and the, the Democratic Party really, you know, who sort of runs the Democratic Party these days. But I, I agree with you. I've sort of stopped uh, Tucker worrying about the Democratic Party because I, I kind of know what their plan is. And really, to me, it's this Republican establishment and the Republican, quote unquote, leaders and I, I really do believe that, uh, and what I feel from the American people is that they're looking for leadership out of the Republican Party, and the Republican yeah. Party is not, they're not doing it. They're just not doing it, and they need to step up because this is not going to end uh, anytime soon, and they're yep. going to continue to chip away at all of our rights however they can, and they own the media, they own the tech titans of the world, so to speak, and so they have an ability to be able to control the message. And frankly, the American people, and I'm in a place... You know, this weekend uh, with about 5,000 people, and I'm telling you, they're just sick of it. They really are sick of it. Yeah, until someone says no mas and means it, it will continue. I think that's right. Exactly. Michael Flynn, General, thank you very much. So good to hear him on there. I mean, and he definitely wasn't wrong. I would have wished for a little bit harder plug for the Reawaken America tour. You know, you're just saying yeah, you're in a place with, with 5,000 people who are sick of it. You could have given it a little bit better. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Oh, you know, you don't want to just get back on Tucky and then get suspended again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rudy Giuliani. So okay. he's got the lifetime ban. Um, and, and it's good that General Flynn made some uh, references to the you know Republican Party. It's like we already mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. These guys, especially the ones at the top who are the more prominent figures, they're, they're kind of doing the right things, but they're not supporting all of the you know Trump-era policies and America First agenda. And they're only going to be able to do this for so long before Papa starts calling them out. Yeah, um, like better he, start now. Yeah, like, like he already has called out a lot of the other ones. You know, he, he did release a, uh, you know, one of those Office of the Trumpies the other day. Nice. Mm -hmm. and, and and talked about, you know, the people who have voted on impeachment, the ones who voted for infrastructure, ones who are participating in carrying on the January 6th 
insurrection narrative or erection narrative, as Adam Schiff likes to put it. (laughs) So erect. And I'm going to read from it now. Any interest from good and all caps, smart America first Republican patriots to run primary campaigns against representatives, Tom Rice, John Catco, Don Bacon, Don Young, Fred Upton, in parentheses, challenge accepted. Andrew Garbarino, Pete Mahir, challenge accepted. David McKinley, challenge accepted. Nancy Mace, Jaime Herrera, Butler, challenge accepted. And Chris Smith, question mark. You will have my backing, exclamation point. Gonzalez, Kinziger, and Reed already all caps quit. They are out of politics and hopefully for good. Don't forget about (laughs) warmonger Liz Cheney, challenge accepted, is on the skids with a 19% approval rating. Saving America starts by saving the GOP from the rhinos, the sellouts, and the known losers. <laughs> Love it. In the Senate, in the Senate, the disaster from Alaska. Wow. Lisa Murkowski, challenge accepted, must go. <laughs> there is all quotes, almost nobody worse. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's one of those things where He's not wrong. He says it in a way only he can. You can literally hear him when I read it. Yeah, and, uh, I always read it in his voice. And it's one of those things moving forward, you know, Mitch McConnell should be extremely worried. He put out a really nasty one about him the other day saying how, you know, he backed this infrastructure bill because there's so much shit written into it that, you know, gives China so much money. It must be really nice for him and his wife and their family to be getting rich off of more and, you know, Lindsey Graham's been been under the crosshairs, and they should be. I don't want these people in representing us. Yeah. For, number one, they don't represent their people. No, Mitch, no. Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham do not represent their constituents. Uh, Liz Cheney was recensored by the Wyoming Republican Committee now, and now they're, what did they say yesterday? They're no longer going to be recognizing her as a Republican. Yep. 31 to 29. Stop recognizing her. Nice. Yeah. As she's looking to uh, set up a campaign headquarters in New Hampshire, where she may be running as a Democrat in the 2024 presidential election. Imagine her and Trump on the debate stage. Oh, my gosh. That would be- it would be pretty epic. And uh, <laughs> you know what I think was also epic was this show today. Action packed information bursting at the seams. Great guests. And just as good commentary. Noah, what do you think? Outstanding. Antoinette? Loved it. You know what else I love? Following the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbeans, Google Podcasts, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show, rate it, don't forget to leave a review, and like we always ask you, download it, listen, like, follow, and of course, share our content. Show creds this week. Obviously, the host of Red, White, and Truth, Mike Crispy. Thanks for joining us. Also, the lovely host of either Nightly with Natalie or Unraveled, Miss Natalie Denise. Thanks for coming down again. In addition to the regulars, our daily breb, Dawnstar1776, The Moose is Loose, Q's for O's, Cagbro88, The Patriotic Babe Official Account, Garbaggio.real, Christina Bob from OAN, Tom Peppert, the editor-in-chief of The National File. Don't forget to follow our sponsors. Help make small American businesses great again. Again, Odyssey, audio, video, headphone. Get in there. Get them over your head. 
listen to that high quality sound, get in some gaming, listen to some music, record a podcast. They're at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Stay ready gear, stay ready gear holsters. Amazing things that they could do with the plastic that is melted. They're at stayreadygear.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Noah? Delicious. We're now 10 days away from Turkey Day. Rub it. Bake it. Slice it. Heat up some giblets gravy. Delicious fresh cranberry sauce. Hot buttered rolls. Maybe even cornbread. Oh! You like stuffing? Oh, yeah. Everybody likes stuffing. Oh! Oh! Num, num, num. Manrubs.com, Facebook, and Instagram. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms. He services Southern California. His rating is five stars. His phone number is 619-970-6992. He's at West Coast Survival Arms, and he's on Facebook Messenger. Mediocre Medic. First responders, we love them. They're great, and they're our show heroes. Um, MediocreMedic.com. They've got on-duty gear. They've got off-duty gear. Get in there and buy some stuff. They're on Instagram as well. And last but not least, dumpbox.us. Mark Joe Friday, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. If you don't know, you better message him on Facebook. You can also find him on Instagram and dumpbox.us. Upcoming shows. This Friday is going to be a big one. Amanda Milius will be joining us. She's the director and producer of the Plot Against the President documentary, in addition to being a former Trump administration member of the doj and then dr peter navarro new author of in trump time regular co-host on the war room podcast and former top trump campaign official will be joining us same episode big friday show as we like to plan for you guys uh tuesday of next week hopefully jorge ventura will be circling back with us in addition we'll be having miss gabby fox joining us on the 26th of november Running in New Jersey 3, America First candidate Trisha Flanagan will also be joined by Jesse Strom. She'll be joining us. She just finished her uh, Tough Mudder 25 miler. Nice. One of the hardest ones on the planet, self promoted. Um, she did a great job over the weekend. I was following her on Instagram. She's going to be a great little motivational piece for our show. I'm excited to have her on. And then coming back to talk about the Reawaken America tour, none other than Mr. Clay Clark himself. He'll be joining us on that big. Friday edition of Thanksgiving week. We might even have a little Ian Smith that day. Nice. I, I just talked to his wife this morning. That's a soft date. He usually does uh, interviews in the evening, but uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving. How many turkeys does he eat on Thanksgiving? Probably <laughs> infinity amount. So, well, I mean, he's always wearing the gym clothes, so you know, he doesn't even need to put on like the pregnant pants. Everything he's got has like an elastic waist. Um, it is comfortable. On the 30th of November, we'll have the, your moderator, the host of High Noon, Mr. Chris Paul, and Zuby will be joining us. And then on the 7th of December, Jessica Harlow will be circling back in a reschedule with us. Friends of the Week, Brenda Meebs 10, Sublime and Slime, mm-hmm. talking on getting us a few more big league guests moving forward. Pretty excited about that. Nice. Mostly Peaceful Memes, Snack Nicholson. We all know the backup, Uncharted Territory. The Duke of Memes, the Base Chihuahua, Defiant Elves, Dank Elvis, Grand Old Memes, and let's never forget Pubertos. <laughs> Guys, we'll be back Friday. We're going to have an amazing show with Amanda Milius and Dr. Peter Navarro. 
Um, but between now and then, remember, we ask you to do a few things. Try to do as many as you can. They're not deadly sins, but they definitely make your uh, life experience a little bit better. Do your own research. Okay? Like we said, there's a lot of stuff that goes into doing this show. Part of it is research. The more that you do, the better you'll understand the information we're trying to get your way. Hold the line. Ride it. Buy the dip. Get the fuck in here. Snatch the wigs. Should ask Nat about that today. Nice. Ice your balls. Let's see what happens. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 82 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And like I said, we'll be back on Friday with Amanda Milius and Dr. Peter Navarro. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Thanks for listening. Noah? Yo. Have a great rest of the week. Antoinette? Hello. See you Friday. Thanks again to our guests, Natalie, Denise, and Mike Crispy. Thanks for listening and take care. have signed on to complete satanic world government takeover and you're worried about how I'm feeling? You're worried I'm scared? <laughs> you have any idea? You're going to be torn limb from limb by this. You have any idea what you've released? You have any idea what you've done, you dumb bastard?